Welcome to She Knows Arsenal. My name is Jessica and I'm your host and you can follow me on Twitter at Ishesinio. On today's show, we're going to be doing our season preview. So that's where we're going to be doing all of our predictions. We're going to talk about Brentford. We're going to have some of you guys call in. It's going to be a long show. So get comfortable. Share this with a friend. Like and subscribe. I have a good panel of people with me as well. And I think this will be fun. Um, I don't think it'll alleviate as much anxiety as we we probably have, but we're going to try to have a good time anyway. There's about 45 of you guys watching already on all platforms, so make sure you guys are liking that video and subscribe to the channel. And I also have a really big announcement. Um, I kind of teased it earlier on, probably like two days ago, but we have channel memberships now. You can now become an official member of the channel. It's available now. You can go to pretty much the, the channel, like the, the dashboard, and where it says subscribe right next to it, you can press join. And that's where you're gonna be able to pick your tier, whether or not you wanna be on the blue membership, the red or the gold. Either way, you'll have more opportunities to be closer to the channel, get more of your say out there, whether that's actually coming onto a show with us or having priority on call-in shows, all of that is available to you guys for less than $5 per month, which is pretty affordable. You know, so yeah, I'm super excited. We already have our first member here, Tezi Mai. I've seen you on the channel a lot and you're now a red member. So I'm super excited about having you here with us. Thank you so much for joining. And I'm hoping that more of you guys join as the show goes on. Hopefully you guys are loving the content. We love having you guys on the channel with us. And yeah, so let's go ahead and get started. All right, you guys, here is my panel for today. Woo, we have a full house, and um, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. So as usual, well, not always usual. Sometimes they're here, sometimes they're not. But we have George and Souls here. Hey, George and Souls. Hello, guys, hello. George was late. I said come <laughs> 10 minutes early, and he came like two seconds before. Like, he's he's amazing, and he adds so much value to the channel, but I just can't get him to come on time. I don't know what that's I all about. I told you, tell him 9 o'clock. 
Guys, I'm cool. fixing my uh, storage closet. Okay, that, that's what it is. I'm fixing my storage closet. I need a little bit of extra time just to put the box, make it authentic, you know? Wow, that's your excuse? Okay. Yeah, it's pork. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave it there. But um, we do have two special guests on the show today. Um, on the channel, we're going to have different guests come on and uh, show their faces here and give their opinions as well. And I have the opportunity of sharing a screen today with Melina. So Melina, can you tell everybody just a little bit about you, your channel, what you do and, and all that kind of stuff? Sure, Jess. Thanks so much for having me on your show today. I'm look really looking forward to the show. Um, my name is Melina and I do a YouTube channel in relation to fantasy premier league content some Arsenal content, along with football in general. I'm a massive football fan, and I just want to share my opinion and my views of the game as an international Arsenal fan as well. And you, you can find me on YouTube on Miss Melina. I'm from Toronto, just like George. So, But um, unlike George, I came on time. <laughs> it's not a Toronto thing, guys. This is, this is a George already, yeah? <laughs> I love it. I feel like today's going to be a feisty show. So we also have Gunner King here. Gunner King, let everybody know where you're from, what you do, where they can find you, and all that great stuff. Nice. Yeah, so um, welcome. Well, it's great to be here. Um, I'm a massive, massive fan of, of Jess's channel. Uh, I, myself have my own channel at the Armory TV, which is very new in the making. We've launched it officially on the 30th of June. So that's steadily growing, doing lots of content on there. Jess, Jess um, came on the show earlier. And uh, I can also be found on TikTok and on Twitter, Gunnerking14. And yeah, usually just, just posting about all things Arsenal on there. I've been an Arsenal fan all my life. Um, I don't want to divulge my age, but but yes, like um, yeah, I've I've been through the the lows and the highs, and and now the lows again. So yeah, um, it's great to be here, and again, thank you very much, Jess, for um, allowing me to come on your platform. Of course, no worries. This is going to be. I just I just have a feeling this is going to be such a good show. We have a new member. Usopp is now a member as well. Second member of the channel. Thank you so, so much for becoming a member of the channel. You're always here doing super chats and just adding so much value. Thank you so much. I just, I cannot wait to get these memberships started. So again, you guys, you have opportunities to actually come on the show with us, our post-match show, which is going to be awesome. And live streams just for members as well. So live Q&As, those things that you guys really like. You guys will get those separate from all the free content that we have as well. So, yep, lots of going on. So I think we should go ahead and dive in because we have a long show, a lot to get through. But um, let's go ahead and get started with under or over. So basically how this is going to work is we'll take some of our statistics from last season and just say if we think we're going to be over or under that this season. You can also say if you think we're going to be, you know, equal to that, but mostly under or over. So let me just make sure I have my notes up because I'm old and I can't remember things just off the top of my head. So last season we scored 55 goals, which was tragic. It was not a good goal scoring year for us at all. Um, I think it was low scoring for pretty much everybody, but maybe like Man City. So maybe it was just a part of the un the um, weird circumstances in the season. But 55 is, is really low, you guys. So, Melina, I'm going to start with you. Are we going to be under or over 55 this season? Um, with all due respect, I really think we'll be over 55 this season. 
And you know what? That that relies centrally on us signing uh, Cam. So hopefully, you know, Arsenal can get their business done sooner than later. We don't have long left to go for the rest of the transfer window. But I think with our new signings, um, you know, Lukonga looks really good. And to me, I can see us doing better than 55. Souls, do you think we'll be under or over 55 goals? Do you know what? It all depends on, like Melina said, like, if we get if we get a Madison or even an Odegaard, possibly... Um, but yeah, I do think I think with the fans coming back, I do think the goals are going to flow a little bit more. Uh, the players have got at least ESR and like Saka have got another season under their belt, so I'll say over. George, I know you're going to say over, aren't you? Well, yeah, but I think that's also a consequence of the entire league, right? Like you did say that you know Man City maybe didn't score or scored as many goals, but actually they were very down from their kind of season averages. To be honest, too, it was an entire season problem. Uh, COVID represented a very unique opportunity of it being very close knit games, and you know you had your odd blowout here and there, but again, I think efficiency was out in the entirety of the top six. And yeah, and related to us, our progressions much different. I do think that we have signings that will improve our ability to score goals, and I believe in our output. So yeah, I, I do believe that we see an over there. Yeah, I, I honestly I don't want to be like I mean we will score over. But I still have questions about where if we'll be able to score enough to get where we need to go. You guys know I'm big on the we need 70 to 80 goals next season to really be pushing for where we want to be at. And I'm not sure where those goals are coming for at the moment. But Gunner King, under or over? I would definitely say over for a number of reasons. Um, firstly, I think the chance creator that we needed, we didn't start with last season because of the um, and Smith Rowe being injured until Christmas. I think what you touched on about it being a season-wide thing for all of the other teams as well, I think that shows the impact of COVID specifically to crowds um, being in the stadiums as well. We all know what a massive driver that can be is. Um, also, if you look, I think last season was the first season like forever when there was more away wins than home wins. And, and that shows really the impact that a home crowd can have on having say, um, a team to score. So I expect all of these things, along with the improvements that we've made to our squad, to carry us over the 55-goal tally. Yeah, let's hope for an over. We definitely need it. I would love to see more goals because it was dire. So let's talk about goals against. We had 39 goals against, and we were one of the best defenses in the league I do think that that might have something to do with us being a little bit conservative in terms of the way that we play um we were I would say risk adverse in the way that we play not in a bad way but I do think that if we opened ourselves up and we played a little bit more risky we probably would have given up more goals that being said we did have one of the best defenses and you can't really take that away from us so I'll start with George here under or over 39 goals against that, this one's easy for me again under I mean the the few positions that we have addressed have been you know defensive and replacements for people that allow us to play our system consistently so when you look at it um, Ben White's an upgrade on David Louise we're looking at you know a ball progressing center back over a ball playing center back he allows us to operate in a system that's much more progressive and much more um, kind of conducive to our right wing being more solid so I, I think that we have a lot of good defensive 
um, structure, a lot of great uh, positioning. It's one of the strengths of anything that you can levy at, you know, Arteta to date. He knows how to coach a defense and a coach a structure. And so I don't see that going away. But now you start to add depth options, mainly for Tierney. If he does get injured, we don't have to change our style of play. The, these big kind of blowout games, you know, you don't see um, with kind of your proper squad depth. And so our floor is going to be raised with what we've done to date. And um, of course, I think signings also help you both ways. It's not just, you know, increasing goals, increasing chances. You know, when you're on the front foot, you're giving more time for yourself to be dominant on the ball. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that we're under here and we're going to continue our great defensive record. Again, we were third overall in the league, second from Boxing Day, and it was really quite a sharp difference. So, you know, the one thing that you can say at Arsenal is that we know how to defend uh, right now. I know that's not fashionable, but it's just a fact. It's one of our strengths. So, yeah, I definitely see it improving with better players. Melina, I'm going to go to you on this one. We did play a higher line, you know, in preseason, which I think opened up opportunities for other teams to score. Do you think that that will kind of hinder us from keeping that goal scoring tally or goals against lower? Do you think that that will be a maybe a, a hindrance to us keeping that good goals against record? I don't know if I'm putting that correctly, but you know what I mean. I understand what you mean. I don't think it will hurt us. I, I kind of agree with um, George in the sense that um, last season, our defensive record was really well. Um, we did have the third best defense in the league overall. And to me, I think we'll maintain that. And with the signings that we signed recently, you know, Ben White, again, um, these are players who will improve our squad defensively. So I see us doing better and sort of um, working our way under that that number this coming season. So you say under. Yeah. 39. Yeah. Souls, I guess what I want to ask you is, what what do we need to bring in in the last little bit of the transfer window that would make you feel like this defense is better? You know, I think some people maybe are looking at our defense and saying, like, they can't possibly be a good defense maybe because the individuals. But do you think we're fine where we are? Do you think we need another right back? What do you think is the difference between our defense being better this season than last season? I mean, we've, we just need to eliminate the stupid players ready. And the stupidness that they can bring to to the table, but you know what it is, right? Like like George said, we've we've covered the depth, and one of the key reasons why we conceded so many goals is because we were playing Cedric at left back to cover for the fact that Tierney was injured. And obviously, we we could see it. Cedric was not comfortable at all. You had to give him the ball on his right foot, and if if you didn't, he was like having to push it onto that side. And if and it was like you, as soon as you pressed him. It was done for. It was. It's the same with Shaka when he gives him the ball on the half turn on his right foot. It's like if he's pressed, it puts you into a lot of trouble. But when you have a naturally, you know, left-sided player, it eliminates that. It should eliminate that. And I think Gabriel will have a little bit more trust in his players to be able to play out the back or progress out of the back. There were times where he was hesitant when he seen a player. He was like, I don't really feel comfortable passing it. And we've seen that in the Europa League. We've seen that in the league. And I think we're addressing those issues now. I don't know because, like, you know, we're, we're, we're predicting to score more. I just think generally the Premier League, there'll be more goals in the Premier League this season just because the fans are back. And that could, in reality, we could have the same in terms of we can maintain that third place 
but concede more goals just because the league has scored more goals. And the way games are, they may they might not be as tight. We might get more six nils or like we might get more like you know three four you know sort of goals from each side. And I don't. I think I think when people think about defensive records, they get bogged down about, oh, you conceded this many goals or you kept this many clean sheets. But the reality is you've got to look at how the league performed as well. And if we're third, that's showing something that still, how many goals have we got? I think of 39 goals we conceded or something. Hmm. And that's still a high number, like when you really think about it for a third place team. So it's, it's, it's okay, but I just think a lot of our mistakes, it's mistakes that are made by individuals. So if we can knock that out by bringing the right profile of players and who, like, for example, I still think Xhaka is a, he's a good player, but just not for the Premier League is what my sort of idea on Xhaka is. Because every time you press him, he's not a press-resistant player. And that's what causes some of our issues because he's our outlet from defence to midfield to then push it forward. I think if Partey can maintain his fitness and we can bring Lokonga to be that partner and he has that faith in him, then we need to be playing through Lokonga more than we need to be playing through whoever's playing for Xhaka or Elneny. Um, so it's a tough one because I do think we'll have one of the best records in the, in the league still, but I do think there's a possibility we'll concede more. It's not an issue to concede more if you just score when you're supposed to. I think a lot of the goals that came towards like the end of the game, like in particular, one that I can think of is Everton, you know, at the end of the season. That was a horrible Everton team. But I remember us missing a lot of chances before they came down and scored that one goal. I think that goal doesn't happen if we're already ahead and we finish our chances or even if it does, it doesn't matter because we won the game. I think, yeah, statistics like goals against and goals for are quite important. But when you look at somebody like Chelsea, who had quite similar statistics in goals and against than goals against and goals for that we did, but they ended up higher in the table, it's really just about wins and losses as well, isn't it? You know, so we can give up more goals. We just have to make sure we're finishing our chances, which I think is a bigger issue than our defense. And last point, I just think it's what really annoys me is the fact that people are still saying our defense is not good. And I do think it is, I think it's the individuals. They don't rate them. You know, they just don't rate them because they look at them and they're not names, but like names don't really mean anything because defense is a co collective unit. And I think collectively they play well together, even including Rob holding his biggest issue is when we're trying to play out of the back, not defending our box. You know what I mean? So I think we're going to have another good defensive season. I would say that we probably give up more, but we'll still be one of the best defensives if that makes sense. Cause other people will be more open. They'll give up more goals and it'll be fine. You know, I'm not too worried about our, our defense, to be honest, even the one that we have right now, even with the, the weird right back situation and all of that, I think we're fine. Ben White will help us out. G Kasi has just become a member of the channel as well. Thank you so much. You're always here. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. And yeah. We'll see you soon. I think let me make sure I'm not mi missing anything. Yeah. So, so far, so good, you guys. What about wins? We had 18 wins last season. Not good. Not great, is it? You know, um, I think, does anybody have under 18 wins? Is everybody confident that we'll win more games? No, we have to win more games. I think uh, we're all like keep hope alive, aren't we? We want we want to make sure that we're winning more games. It's I not think we'll win possible. More games. It's impossible to win less. 
I'm sorry, but that's like no, the board. It's not impossible. No, no I know it's not impossible. impossible. <laughs> but you know what it is? Look at look at the games yeah, where we didn't win. They like Burnley, for example. It was a stupid Jacker error or a Leno error, whoever you want to say, right? That passed it to that muppet in the box who decided, oh wait, there's a Burnley player. Let me pass it to him. Have our open goal. If we stop doing that shit, like I said, those stupid defensive errors. We'll win games, and that's the problem. We're losing because we're, we, do you know what it is? We, we defeat ourselves. We don't even get beat anymore. We just we're just like, ah, oh, shit, we're winning. Fuck that. Now I actually turn around, score, score. Don't score an own goal because you know make a mistake. I don't know what it is. I think we, we we need to win games at ninety minutes. Like otherwise, we'll just make a stupid mistake. Oh my gosh, yeah. How many how many of these rants are we gonna get today? I feel like we're gonna get a couple, aren't we? <laughs> well, no, it's a little bit it's a little bit annoying because at the same time, I just find people aren't being fair and objective about basic facts of the team. Like it's fine to want more, and I've been on record about saying attacking midfielder, center midfielder, and right back are absolute critical keys to our transfer window and their transfer priorities. But the fact to date that we've raised the floor of the team and we've improved the starting eleven in Ben White, and if you're really going to think that improving the backline technical security does not impact our chance creation, does not impact our output. I think you really need to start reevaluating where the troubles of this team actually lie. And I think if you improve those things, which we absolutely have, we factually have brought in the players to do so, then you're going to start winning more games. You're going to have a better defense, better chance creation, and those are the cruxes to winning more games. Now, is it enough that maybe you make a larger difference? that's up to subjective debate. And we're going to get into that in terms of our league position. But the fact that you can sit there with a straight face and say, with the signings that we've accrued, you don't believe that Arsenal Football Club are better with a full season of Neil Smith-Rowe. A Thomas Partey who's had a great preseason and fundamentally we have a backup for. If you can really think that we're not going to do better with improvements, then I struggle to understand where you're getting your basis from, really. It, it all depends about your expectation for where you see this team, the floor, and the ceiling. But you can't refute that we've improved in areas of the team. That's just fact. You just can't not dismiss it. So outside of that, whether you want us to win a specific amount of games to get top four, to get whatever, that depends on your evaluation of the squad. But this, the fact is we've improved this team. Whether that's to what you want, that's up for debate. But we have improved this team. So, yeah, we're definitely going to get more wins. Yeah, I think we yeah. all went over, didn't we? Yeah. Um, I think we just we're just are. Melina, did you want to add anything to yeah, that? Yeah, so and I wanted to add to what George was saying. And I think not only did we improve the back line, but we're also working on, mind you, the transfer window is not over yet. So we are working on improving that, you know, midfield. And w when we get a cam, when we get another central midfielder, to me, I think we're, you know, those those individual players who constantly make errors, I think we'll have improvements on new players who will, you know, fit the profile of someone we need and, you know, causing individual players to make less mistakes. You know, we got rid of Danny Ceballos, so we're not going to see those kind of liabilities anymore. Um, and to me, like what George said, these new players that have came in really do help improve us defensively. And to me, the ceiling's not as high, but I'm realistic enough to say that, you know, I really think we will win more games and we'll um, not only just be like second half FC, as people call us, but to me, I think we'll, you know, do our best to, work our way in the first half of the game rather than waiting on that second half to create and and to play an attacking style of football and teams that like to play you know more on that pressing side like Chelsea for example 
George, what do you say to the people? Because there's quite a few comments very similar to this. Other teams have improved as well. Have we done enough to keep those, the leads, the Aston Villas, the Evertons, these types of teams behind us, and also try to close the gap to the teams that are in front of us? What do you say to people that said other teams have improved as well? I say worry about your own lawn over worrying about your neighbor's lawn. I think fundamentally I look at has Arsenal improved? Have we been able to play our system more consistently? Are we able to field our starting 11 more consistently? Do, do you guys know that we've only been able to field Thomas Partey, Kieran Tierney, um, and also Aubameyang together only three times last season? Three starts. All of them were able to consistently start together in the league. And that's a problem. You cannot be Big doing goal. that. And if, if you're going to tell me we are now able to do that with increasing the squad depth, and now you're going to tell me we're going to be improving our defense, now you're going to be telling me we're now going to have another option at number 10 with a new signing. These things matter. And so I believe that the statistics, everyone likes to quote about us being really poor for 40% of the season, but then like to ignore the 60% of the season since Boxing Day that we were second in the league and use that as logic for saying that we cannot improve. I, I struggle to understand those numbers. I really, really do. Look, other people have improved, but so have we. And I think fundamentally, when you look at this team, it's a better team than last season. I still think there's a long way to go in the transfer window. I agree. But to sit there and say that you have not improved when there's been key cogs that have been, A, having a full season in Emil Smith-Rowe, B, having improvement basically in terms of your players through Saka. Are we seeing the same Saka? Are we seeing the same Martinelli? Is he now injured for four months? Uh, I just, I don't understand the logic, really. Uh, so, yeah, I, I get that people, other people have improved. But you know what? I think people are underestimating what we've done, what this squad is once again. And it just is a matter about understanding where you are and where you want to be. That gap right now is a little bit off. And that's all that I'm seeing right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely understand that. I do think that you know, we've definitely improved our floor 100%. Like, I do think we've improved. What I will say, well, actually, we'll wait. We'll wait because we're going to do where we're going to finish, you know. But, so, Jess, you say that. Like, that. factually, Ben White is be is better than David. I'm tired of just this yeah, floor talk. Yeah, like, no, like factually, the ceiling of the team is better because you cannot – because the big part of what – has hindered Arsenal right now is chance creation. It's not a yes. fact that we lack goal scorers, okay? And the chance creation isn't just from having no cam. It's from having poor technical security in the back line that makes our buildup slow, predictable. It doesn't allow us to be in more favorable op uh, positions for the opposition. And when you improve a Ben White, he doesn't just improve your defense. He improves your chance creation, and it's a two-way sword. And I'm just tired of people not recognizing that that was a fundamental pillar with David Luiz gone, that needed to be fixed, not just fixed, but upgraded on. And we did that. The, so that is a check the, mark. The thing is, I, I, I do, I, I definitely agree. Like, technically speaking, there is an upgrade there and a higher ceiling for him to grow into. But Arsene Wenger used to, like, famously very, like, limit himself to bringing, like, three, four signings in. Very rarely did he have a window where he would do more than that. Now, if you look at, say, Chelsea last season, where they, they brought in a significant number of players that drastically raised the floor of, of their squad, um, it didn't... I'm not trying to be negative per se. I'm just saying that sometimes bringing in the players and improving it isn't enough. We need to be realistic as well and 
realized that a ben white is 24 years old and this he's only had one season in the premier league he's now coming to a new team a new system a new backline new teammates new environment it's like we need to be careful how much expectation we put on ben white to bring that improvement especially when you consider that david louis was the most senior defender that, that, that was in that squad when you remove that seniority you remove that experience that that marshalling there there will be a bedding in period I, I believe where where they are trying to find themselves with the partnerships between rob holding is it going to be holding is it going to be gabriel if it's gabriel and white you've got a 24 and a 23 year old one that has only had one season in the premier league that's come from portugal the other that's only had a, a season in the premier league that is english that has played in lower divisions granted it's it's i wouldn't say that worries me because because I'm, I'm not talking about age for the sake of talking about age i just think there are key fundamental areas where where experience can help you and also Look, mate the, the only pushback i'm gonna i'm gonna make on this is because i feel like there is a certain age argument that people do but you know what when you look at ben white who has he played for what of the systems has he played for and what role has he been asked to play you're looking at marcelo bielsa system with leads in terms of how he's been asked to play and how Graham potter has asked him to play and he's coming into a team that played the same way he's coming into a team that asks him to defend the right half space with people overlapping the exact same way and so when you're looking at adaptation I really feel that we as fans need to understand, are they coming from a, a system where we can adapt? Yes, they are. Is he coming from a league that we've seen him do it and do it well? Yes, we are. He was their player of the season. Have we seen him do it in other areas of the pitch? Well, yes, we have. He's done it at right wing back. He's done it in areas of the pitch that are different to just this. So for myself, when you're asking, can we mitigate the chance for his performance to be replicated? We've done everything in that Ben White signing. You've done the most that you can do. No signing is going to be perfect. No signing is going to be guaranteed. Right. But if you're going to guess out of all of those positions, can he fill the role in a high line? Can he fill the role of being outnumbered? Well, he's done it twice for one of the best pressing systems in Bielsa in the league, who's isolated all the time. He's done it for Brighton, who lamped, he charges on. So again, my only pushback is we're looking at system agreements, check. We're looking at English experience, check. And we're looking at a young age in terms of a leadership in both back lines. Anybody who has anything to say about Ben White has absolutely said he is the leader of their defenses. And so for me, when you're looking to replace these things, you've got to be realistic about a where they've been, what they've done, and then see how they will do that with us. Because I don't think people are looking at that. I find there is a lot of ageism, and I'm not just saying you, but there is this on Twitter. And they fall into some tropes because I don't think adaptation is that fantical. I think it's very clear who may adapt and who may not. And sometimes we as clubs and managers make the wrong decisions there. But Ben White in profile and in what you would want us to do in this system is absolutely everything in, in terms of guaranteeing quick success. And, and I think we saw the benefit of that in but his John, very you know, first game. He was our best but, player. That's, I think that's no coincidence. No, no, but you know what it is. Defenders, defenders, right? Defenders, like I think it's a quite a unique position, like where you there is so much. There's only so much you can do on the training pitch. There, there is there is more that you learn on the job as a centre back than there is for say a winger or a striker. 
You know, like uh, it's. I think you, White's you, issue is not going to be adaptation in particular. I think it's going to be the partnership. That's I more agree. what my yeah. my pushback is on this no, whole yeah. thing. Is I think he'll come in and he'll smash it. But the inconsistency with the person to the right to him, of him and the left of him is just maybe what hinders him just a little bit or keeps us from seeing what his true potential is. Because for me, with the center backs, is always about the partnership. 100%. You can always bring in somebody. Not everybody's a Virgil van Dyke, And even Virgil came in and right in with Joe Gomez, who's, who's also quite good, you know. So I think... With, with Ben White, I think he's he's mustard. Like, he's going to make us better, obviously. Yeah. But you know, it's you know Gabriel's – I, have... I think he's supposed to be playing with Gabriel. Gabriel's not there yet. Then the right back, if we do that revolving door of right backs between our the Bellerins and the Chambers and stuff, I think that's where you're not going to really get the best out of Ben White. He has to have the right right back next to him and the right left-sided center back next to him. I think that's more where the – Gabrielle and White are the most complementary partnership yes. that you could look at on paper. Gabrielle's a front-footed defender. I'm just saying he's not defender. there yet. Gabrielle's not there yet. That's my only thing. Is like we won't see it until he's standing next to Gabrielle as much. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Football's I just, I just about football's about partnerships. Sorry. The only thing that I'm going to say football is about partnerships on the pitch, and it isn't necessarily linear about what you see in terms of a profile. And you have to understand some of these soft factors. Gabrielle, right now, while he's young, yes, he's rash. He's, he, his weaknesses are solved by Ben White in more ways than one. You're looking at Gabrielle, who's an aerial monster, physical prowess, front-footed defender that likes to step up. What is Ben White? He's a stopper who struggles aerially but loves progression and is amazing in the short and medium range. These two complement each other exactly how we want to play. When you get a myriad of a partnerships but also system, that's when you start to get performance for me. And I don't like to look at age or some of the other factors because i'm a firm believer on twitter profiles over experience and i think that has always been the most consistent determinant of a adaptation but also performance but that i know that's I think, me so really profile, quick you guys i just oh really quick you guys Sorry. i just want to say matt g has become a, a member of the channel matt g is always here with awesome comments and stuff. So thank you so much for being here and we will see you soon. Members content will be coming out this Tuesday with a tactical breakdown of the Brentford game. So look out for that. Thank you so much, Matt. But go ahead, Gunnar King. What were you going to say? Yeah, no, I think I think the profile match thing, I, like, I, he's perfect. You know, like, they, they, they do complement each other. Like, I guess the point that I'm making is, or that I'm trying to stress is that the, the partnerships, you don't just... Two profiles can be perfect for each other, but they need that time to establish how that partnership works. You know, to we've bought in three players, two are going to be squad players. And if we're talking about bringing in two or three more, they're going to impact the first team squad. It's completely different. You know, it's it's changed from what it was last season. So it's like, it's, it's more a case of not the profiles, but just being like where... There will be a period, I believe, like in the first few weeks where people are establishing those relationships of how to play together, like how to complement each other's strengths. And that's fine. But we just I just think the the expectation should be realistic that that will be the case. But you know what I want to say on the whole like transfers? And one thing that I do think Arteta's brought over from Pep Guardiola is the video analytics that they're now using for scouting. And the one the method usually is that you get scouts to go out to these games and watch them and you know analyze them that way but now what they do is they've got video analytics who 
who sit there and their sole purpose is these are our targets, go watch them. And literally they will watch them and watch them and watch them and find out every little. And and this was confirmed by Ben White and how Ben White was actually brought over and convinced to come over was that Arteta and Edu knew every single thing about Ben White, his strengths, his weaknesses. They had an entire scout report written on him in detail about how they feel like he's going to fit in what they need to improve on. And this was a system that Pep actually implemented in Barcelona first, where he got rid of this whole scouting network because he thought it was useless. He thought it, it was not needed. It's a waste of resources. And I was speaking to some coaches at City as well, and, and they go, literally, they're in a room, and all they, all their job is to do is just watch these targets and see how they're going to fit in. The minute that there's a big red flag, they'll stop scouting and they'll be like, no, move on to the next target. And that's something which I'm seeing at Arsenal now where why the 55 people were made redundant was because they wanted to change this. They wanted to make a more efficient pr approach and COVID helped that and accelerated that because they weren't allowed to travel, nor were their games coming on. So when we look at Ben White, I just think they've taken the reassurances and why things are taking a lot longer in terms of being able to get them over the line, why we're going to see, especially those marquee signings where they're going to be the 60, 70 million pounds, why Madison's taking so long as well. It's because they want to make sure that the player they're buying, they're not, they're not going to later on regret it because they've not been able to go and physically scout him. So I do think that the, the assurances are being put in the background. We're just never going to see them. And no, our club's going to talk about them because it's one of those where you don't really want people to know what your entire process is. But they'll let you. But if you look at our recruitment in the backroom staff, it's all analytic people. It's not really coaches. They're not people who sit there and coach teams. It's more stat-driven people, and that's what they're trying to implement in the backroom, just so that that's what they're key. That's what they've been focusing and mastering in. So I do think. We're trying, of course, every signing, even if you put every science and data behind it, can fail. But at least they're taking those steps to mitigate the chances of a flop. And if you look at it, Lakonga, brilliant signing. Like, Tavares is the only one where I'm a bit like, I don't know enough about. So I do yeah. think we're going in the right direction in that. One thing, so what I do want to ask you guys is because, you know, we're talking about wins and losses and draws and stuff. I think we've all kind of said that we imagine we're going to have more wins. And I think because we also think that maybe we'll do better, we imagine we'd have less losses. So I don't know if we really need to go into that unless somebody actually thinks that we're going to lose more, which I don't, I don't really think we will. But knowing that we're, in, you know, a day away from the season starting, no Thomas at the beginning of the season and apparently going to be out for the next three games or so. No Gabrielle to start out the season, you know, not necessarily having all the pieces that we imagined having. Do you think that might make it more probable that we will lose games towards the beginning of the season that maybe we could do better in if we had had all those pieces in play? Or do you think it's not going to matter? You know, like if we had our Gabrielle and our Thomas party to start out the season, with Ben White, with Lukonga, with maybe another attacking midfielder, would that give us a better boost going into these first couple games? Or do you think we'll drop points, you know, because we didn't have these things in, in play already? Melina, what do you think about that? Um, well, going into the game tomorrow against Brentford, to me, like a team that's Brentford is a team that's vulnerable in central defense. And I think, although it would have been much better if we had, you know, a player like Thomas Party 
and Gabrielle, to me, I think will adapt and adjust our starting 11 to suit, you know, teams that, you know, are good, had a really good preseason, but slow center backs. And whereas we have built our center backs more in that defensive partnership, to me, like we said earlier, the defensive partnership is what matters the most, you know, choosing the right 11, but also giving young players a chance. And to me, going into games uh, such as tomorrow where, you know, Brentford is coming into the Premier League for the first time in many years. I think, although they're having fans back and everything, I think we'll still, you know, I think they might break under pressure and I don't think they'll be able to um, keep up the pace with our defense. And to be honest, I'm not as confident as I want to be, but I still think we'll, we'll be up to par, but I don't think it'll be an easy game for us. Moving on to Chelsea and Man City, you know, Chelsea is a team that likes to play attacking, pressing football. And as we saw in that preseason game, to me, that was it wasn't the result that pissed me off. It was more the, you know, the individual player mistakes. Um, also, like Pablo Mari moving out of position. To me, that's the stuff we really need to work on in training, whereas players need to stay in their position and make sure not to leave the midfield exposed where other teams can easily, you know, cut through, get that goal and get that assist. Um, moving on to Man City, I'm not confident at all, especially since they recently signed Jack Grealish. I think, um, you know what, if it's a loss, it is a loss, but hopefully we put up a good fight. Yeah, it's one of those things, right? Well, you don't, you guys probably don't know Gunnar King and Molina. You guys probably don't know. I have a huge agenda against Marie. I just, I don't trust the guy. He just, he, girl, I'm with you on that. (laughs) Marie is just not my favorite player. Like, he just really isn't, you know, so they might as well rename him to liability at this point. And, and then you hear the news of like, Lukaku playing his first game yeah. back in England against us. I'm looking at Marie like he's gonna rip luck, him apart. Yeah. You know, but I, I'm just gonna say this that I think although we're looking at these these games like Chelsea and Manchester City as games that like oh if we had had our perfect team maybe we would be able to do something. To me, it's more important to get ready to go by November because that's where our really winnable games are and our issues last season weren't really against the top six our issues were actually against teams that we should be beating you know so our best possible team needs to be available and I think it's like the stretch across November that's where the really winnable games are and of course every game you can win and every game you can lose but is it really that important to beat Chelsea and Man City for pride yes but in reality we need to be beating Norwich we need to be beating Brentford we need to be beating West Ham we need to be beating like the other teams, Everton, Leeds, like those are the teams we need to be beating. So I think I'm not so worried about those first couple games. I'm just like, hopefully party comes back good. Gabrielle comes back good. And by the time November rolls around, we're ready to go, you know? Gabrielle back in individual training, like we said, by the way. Cough, cough. Yeah. It's and a the surprise, well- shock. No, look, I no. think I think people need to understand where these um, these updates are coming from, you know, Thomas is outside with the boot again. I really think that, you know, things are a little bit better than what people believe. In terms of what you said, Jess, yeah. it's spot on about beating the teams that are outside the traditional top six. And by the way, we had a great record against those. And if you're really going to get into the weeds about Chelsea, we had a pretty good record against them, despite not having adequate starting 11s against them last season as well. Um, and I think that this past game with Villarreal really showed the limits of a back three system. I've been saying it for a while. Tuchel is going to have to find a way to look at a back four eventually throughout the season. One 
in terms of a back three, it's never had the precedent in the Premier League for more than 18 months. That's going to be a hurdle that he's going to find. I doubt that that's going to happen in our game, but it's going to happen in the middle of the season at some point. And so, look, when you're looking at these games against Chelsea and City, I'm with you. I look at City as a write-off, but do I write off Chelsea? Absolutely not. I I think you can be competitive in those games. In fact, we've shown it. And if you really want to go head-to-head in the short term, we've actually won the short-term battles if you really want to get in the weeds. So just back your team. It's kind of getting tiring at this point, you know. Uh, look, I, I, I get that you can be anxious about the middle of the season, but let's talk facts. In the last three or four games against Chelsea, we've had a better record against them head-to-head. Facts. Yeah. If you're looking at would you rather have your adequate team available, well, of course, but we don't get what we dream all the time. And we've shown an ability to compete even without key cogs. So, yeah, I, I think Brentford will probably get into it, but it's the perfect matchup for us uh, stylistically and tactically. Let's I've, talk about, looking, so, oh, go ahead, Gunnar. Go ahead. Go. I was just going to say, looking at the, the free games and, and also, I think, adding the fact that Gabriel's just come back from the Olympics. Saka's just come back from the Euros, where he's heavily involved. Uh, Martinelli was at the Olympics as well. The, these guys are going to, like, significantly impact. A lot of people think that Arteta has an agenda against Martinelli. He came back from a cruciate ligament injury at age 19, so he was managed very carefully last season. And I expect him to feature it uh, very heavily this season. But obviously, coming from a season, coming off of the back of a, a season without a preseason, going into a season and then going to a tournament, needing extended rest, and then putting this onerous on these first three games when two of them are against the champions of Europe in one game and the champions of England in the other game, it is uh, with with the window not being complete as well. I, I just don't think that's healthy um, for, for the players, for, for us as fans. And it is too much pressure, you know, like we've got the rest of the season to write that out. And, you know, as you're saying, you know, November, our, our fixtures are a lot more favourable. We do the right business before the 31st of October. You know, we, we take any points that we can from those first three games, ideally three, four points, um, you know, anything else in and around or above that being a bonus. And, and just be a bit level-headed, um, you know, take all of those other bits of context into consideration because those, those are big misses as well when you add party um, to that. People well. don't really like context, though. I think that's the thing. It's like when you're just so upset about something, the last thing you want to do is add context and because it's looked at as excuses and it's not. It's the reality, you know what I mean? But the there's, there's not going to be – there's not a huge leash for Arteta as well. I think people – think that he's so untouchable and I don't I think there are expectations from the club for him so it's not Mm -hmm. like us adding context means that Arteta doesn't have a shorter leash like I'll and I'm just gonna be real with you guys like us backing the club and backing Arteta because we want him to do good is not really a factor in whether or not Arteta gets sacked that's up to the board and that's up to the Cronkies you know I'm gonna back my club no matter what but how many of us want to see more clean sheets next season. hundred I think I do. I yeah. think we only 100%. had 12 clean sheets last season. We need to do better at that. I think I would like to see more clean sheets, less silly goals given away for no reason. Like I'm probably one of the only ones who feels like this, but I was a little bit annoyed that like at home when we were, we did really good against Leeds. I was mad that we gave up two goals. I didn't think we needed to, you know, I do think we could do a better job at, getting more clean sheets 
So are we all over on our clean sheets, hopeful that we'll get more? Or is there something holding us back? You know, a lot of people are on Leno. I don't really think he's so much of an issue. I think we've made him into a bigger issue than he actually is in terms of keeping goals out of the back of the net. That's just me. I've always kind of seen him as somebody who has a, a clanger in him every once in a while. You know, no, I'm George. sorry. Oh, go ahead. Yes. I, I, I kind of have to disagree with that because... How dare you disagree with me on my <laughs> oh, show? Sorry, guys. I've got to go with that. Oh, you. No, go ahead. Yeah. Um, the, go only ahead. Reason, the only reason is for me, I think sometimes you've got to look at what he's done and it's certain it's certain distributions yet yeah, and his decision making to put other players under Horrible. way too much pressure not even like oh i know you have to avoid the press to and that's the risk reward factor to it but it's that the, there's there's sensible press like that you play a ball into and then there's just stupidity where there's a player right next to the person ready to intercept and i think leno's decision making could be better and that's what's cost us some clean sheets um like for let's take the league for example, the biggest one, Burnley, where Xhaka did the stupidness. That look, people are fifty-fifty. You know, it could be, it could be the fact that people blame Xhaka for that, but then there's certain people that say Leno should never have made that pass. So it's a bit. And then in in the Europa League, I think it was to Danny Sabios against Olympiacos when um yeah oh and Robbie don't remind me about that. And, it, and it's like as much as as much as like I don't think Leno's shot stopping ability. Is his liability? I think his distribution and decision making it's is what's this, it's this. Not being no, clinical huge, enough. He's a huge. He's a huge liability. I'm sorry. I'm going to yeah. even go the other way. He is a huge Ooh. problem inhibiting this team. In fact, his distribution and decision making is a hundred percent the reason for our horrible buildup and our backline technical security. He, he's a big, big issue. His delay in decision making. People always like to quote Emmy Martinez, but facts. It wasn't his passing range that made Emmy special. It was his decision making. His ability to release the ball at the opportune times Leno does not have that his shopping his shot stopping might be great but that's great in terms of a system that likes to sit back when we are going to increase the line by the way some of the side effects mean that we're going to be looking at a sweeper keeper that needs to make proper decisions and one of those things is not Leno's priorities nor is it his strength and so yeah I think Leno is a huge issue to this team a very big cog of improvement and it's why I'm so adamant on Onana possibly coming in because this issue of Leno has hurt us, A, in trans chance creation, but also putting our defenders under the cosh at way too many times that are inopportune. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of Danny Ceballos, but last season I can name you three specific Europa League uh, performances in both Benfica, Villarreal, and Leno was at fault. It what, Look, it wasn't great you know, in terms of what Ceballos did, but he didn't help him. And he does this way too often. So Leno's a huge problem for me. He needs to be upgraded on. And so I, I hope he does. And I'm actually confident he does. Uh, so, yeah. Come on. Oh, well, my God. I disagree with you. Would you, George, would you mm. prioritize that above, say, a central attacking midfielder, a central midfielder and a right back? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, above a right back, yeah. I think. Uh, look, Onana for me is not an inhibitory thing. It's a very easy deal to do. It's a five million pound deal. We have Matty Ryan, who's already left, so there's a foreign playing spot open. There's literally no reason. I've been with Jess for a while. I feel it's a Kieran Tierney situation 2.0. He can't train until September, so why would you pay wages for somebody that can't train? All lines point to him in terms of a. Also, this high line implementation. What's Onana's strength? 
sweeper keeper. Like his profile screams that ability. And when you look at goalkeeper, it's absolutely a priority for this club, right? The two biggest links right now are Cam and goalkeeper. And I seem to agree with those. Um, I have goalkeeper above a central midfielder and a right back for me. It's number 10, wow. then goalkeeper, then central midfielder, and then right back. Okay. Whoa. So, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I get it. Like, for me, I'm like, I just – Leno has never been my favorite. Yeah, but to I'm me, it's like, a goalkeeper we need first. <sighs> okay, Melina, explain more. Why do you think a goalkeeper um, is To me, it's a no-brainer when we can go out for Onana, who's just $5 million. He can train in September, get him in in the long term. He's really good on ball distribution. He's clinical and good um, with ball recovery rate, retention on the ball. It's everything we need in a style of play. And for us, playing out from the back doesn't work. It's never going to work for us. And to me, Leno is just too slow on the ball. Um, although he's a good shot stopper, um, it doesn't do much for us. And, you know, moving on into last season where we lost to smaller teams, we conceded goals. I agree it was individual players' errors like Ceballos and Granit Xhaka making, you know, silly mistakes that they could have learned from. To me, that also comes down to Leno not being clinical enough on the ball. And as a goalkeeper, it doesn't cut it. Um, mm -hmm. Onana would be a huge difference to our team, and it's a very easy player to go after for, yet this club doesn't want to take the liability yeah. and doesn't want to pay his wages because he can't train until September. Um and Leno struggles to make saves. Sometimes he's not really clinical on the ball in making saves. He's not quick enough, so that ball recovery rate is just not there for me. Yeah, it's it's one of those, isn't it? You know, I still have this weird feeling, and me and George, I think we're just going to fight about this until the end of time. <laughs> but I just cannot understand why we would bring in Onana, even at the very end of the transfer window, knowing that he can't play, He's going to want Leno-like wages, and we don't have anywhere for Leno to go. Like, Don't we do I, that with Lacazette and Aubameyang's our number one striker on 180K was, a week? All, but we both know that that was stupid. Like, you but know we're not going to pay that much, that many wages. I, I'm fine with it as long as the plan is for Leno to be removed the following season. In fact, it's a, great, there has to be it's a, a great development plan. Him. Who's going like, to We have to know for sure Leno's Who's gonna going to pay for Leno's wages, too? They're okay, for guys. Me, They're at 90K a week. I think the issue right now is he doesn't have a market for sellers, period. It's not so much what that if there's no people can't afford his wages. You That's fine like, for me. What if they, they, I would eat it. still here. I would eat it. I would eat but it. You, because would, you said Onana's not the guy. So you would, no, you would take not. that risk even if you know Onana's not the yep. best choice. Because Leno right now is hindering us for where we need to go. I would rather lean into a profile if we're going to be a high-line pressing team. We need to facilitate that, not hinder it. I would lean into that, and then I would sell Onana for a lot more money because at £5 million, he's a great asset to sell. And I would buy my keeper, my starting one, next summer. I think it's an absolute mistake if we were to ignore that position in this transfer window, especially one that we can solve for £5 million at literally nominal fees. So... Are and, you leaving Runnerson as your number two for five, six months? Oh, five, six months? What do you mean? He, he's allowed to play in November. I don't he's know what you mean. He's out in January again. No, it's for four if, games. If he can play in November, he he's missing 35% of the season. Yeah, he yeah, would have to register in January. He would have to in register what way? in January. So, because if he's not been training, but he, you need to register them in September, right? 
the players. So yeah, if it's fine. We can register him when we buy him. Yeah, and that can happen at the end of August. It's totally fine. He's not going to he, miss until he, November. If, so what are you going to do bad, in the meantime when he's not there? You are you, you leaving a Quanco or Runnerson or? I would I would do Okonkwo. I don't like Runnerson at all, but like that's that's fine for a couple of months, especially when you're looking at down the line. There's no reason to have your second goalkeeper playing. Look, second the second goalkeeper is the most difficult position to buy in the transfer market. Every single team is absolutely kind of shitting themselves on how to do it, and you don't buy a second keeper for the chance at you know potentially playing more than ten or fifteen games a season. That's not the point that you buy a second goalkeeper. And the this, reason is because you can't, you can't buy somebody of that equal quality. The only person that's done it is mainly Man United, maybe, in Romero. He's probably the second best backup. And for me, you can't demand the first spot missing 35% of the season up front. So Onana can't demand that position. He can't. He's not here for 35% of the season. So for me, I would absolutely lean into profile. It's much better. And when you look at it, he's also a better investment long term. So I see literally no downside to it at all. And he Can is I just back in November. Comment on that first choice keeper thing, right? If he wanted first choice, like to be a first choice, he would have gone Leon, but he <laughs> yeah. didn't. He turned that down. So clearly, he's fine for now, anyways, for whatever the foreseeable future is, to maybe be a second choice. If, if he no, comes to Arsenal, that could be. Also it. wanting him. No, it's only not... for free until in January, and they won't buy. They won't pay money to get him. So why are we assuming that he's making these choices for Arsenal? Well, why not? We're What's the, the logic then? Interesting. We're the strongest. We've been the strongest interest. Here, Jess, let me ask you a point. Why? Why would a Why would a club go to the issue of agreeing a fee without getting signals from a player, which they did? Can we all agree that Leon agreed a fee? Yeah, they that did. was very well reported. Yes. Yeah. So, so why go through that issue if you didn't get any signal from a player's camp that they are interested? So there was clearly interest from the players' camp. Now, why renege on that position when you've agreed a fee and you've allowed it to get that far if you didn't have priorities of playing elsewhere? Uh, no, I don't dispute that. I'm, what I'm saying is that we are making an assumption that he's making these decisions for Arsenal when we know Inter Milan is also interested in him. But they won't pay until not, January. That's very well reported. He basically can't they play said, until January. But he can play in November. That's that's the point. So you've got no, two George. months. So you've got two months of the season that you're basically gambling on Leno. Who, by the way, we can all agree, you're not buying this second keeper in order to play only two months. That that's short term thinking. Yeah. I'm I'm like I'm with you on getting an honor, and I think it shouldn't be an either or situation. It should be both. But my understanding is if you're on a ban. When you have to mm. make the registration, you can't be registered until the next available point at which you can be registered. So, even though he's banned until November, it wouldn't mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's right. But that happened with Suarez as well. They weren't allowed to register him until. I read. I read that he was allowed to be registered for the same reason. But I'm just saying. Well, it would be January. It wouldn't be November that he can come back and play. You know, Even like, if it's January, I'm totally fine with it. But I read that he would be allowed to play, especially because you can register, but he just cannot play. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe that information is wrong. But stretch it even to January. I would still yeah, absolutely buy him because I, 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 he is an yeah, asset yeah. that plays to your philosophy, period, fundamentally. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like if we were to buy Thomas Partey and he got injured, by the way, which he didn't play until December. So if you're asking me, you know, what do you buy? Do, it, did we know that he was injured? We did, by the way. 
Um, and, you know, did we know that he would be out till December? No, but you can't know these things without being future proof. Fundamentally, you buy to a profile, you worry about those things later. And he's a great investment where, A, he'll make back your money if things don't work out. Absolutely. He's five million pounds. But B, you also have somebody that will fit your system. So you absolutely would do it. Look, if you always want to get Neto, I'm totally fine. But at the end of the day, you need a keeper that fits that philosophy. It doesn't have to be Onana, but it has to be a cheap option that can play with the ball at the back because Leno is a big, big problem. If you get Neto, he's about 10, 15 at most. Or loan just, him for a season. I don't really I care. I think you, if you get at this point, and I guess we can just get the Ramsdale thing out of the way now because we're talking about goalkeepers anyway and we're coming <laughs> to the end of our yeah. under over. Um, real quick, G. Kossi says it's a big risk, George. He will have all the choices in January. That's another thing as well. That's why I want to buy but, him now. But I have to ask <laughs> yeah. you guys this question, and please be honest. Sense. No hindsight. You know, no hindsight. Mm. At the end of the season, before we thought that Leno pre- maybe was ready to leave, because a lot of mm-hmm. these Onana rumors came out when people were saying that Leno might go. Yeah. Did you view goalkeeper number one goalkeeper as a true priority for this transfer window please be honest Melina I'll go to you first um to me no I didn't see it as a problem in initially until you know we realized how how we've been struggling so much with uh, the goalkeeping situation I didn't think it would take us this long and I didn't view that as you know a fundamental priority to me it was mostly the cam a center midfielder and a right back as you know the some of the positions that we needed to fulfill first but now seeing how much you know we've struggled to me right now like within the transfer window right now to me it's a goalkeeper should be our priority along with a cam and a center midfielder hopefully we get a right back but I don't see us getting a right back um in in this transfer window Gunnar King I'm going to come to you at the beginning of this transfer window before we started hearing about Leno maybe wanting to go was number one goalkeeper on your list of priorities for the transfer window? Absolutely not. But what what I will say as a caveat to that is I do agree that Leno is a victim of the system that we're trying to play and that his profile doesn't fit it. And that, that is something that we do, we will need to address. But for me, I think the larger problems that I saw were with retaining possession in midfield or having possession in midfield and actually being incisive enough with, with progressing the ball forward, like either carrying the ball or passing it. I saw, I see that as the biggest problem. Um, goalkeeper and Leno not fitting the system that we want to play. If you want to play out from the back, Leno as good a keeper he is in terms of his shot stopping isn't gonna isn't gonna fit to that system and that is important for us for a system that you're trying to implement but i just thought for one season maybe a bridge where you look at someone like aneto or or someone else that can play as a second goalkeeper um where there is like an element where we can strengthen other areas and then address that next summer or bring in Onana. And I think I do agree with what George is saying. It is a no-brainer because two or three seasons ago, Chelsea were having 40, 50 million pound bids returned down for this guy. So yeah. to buy him even with this ban for that price is an absolute no-brainer. 
he would fall into the category of buying a Neto because he would be as cost-effective, if not cheaper, and younger, and fits the system. But I wouldn't be looking at, and I'm not taking this out personally on Ramsdale, I wouldn't be spending $30 million on any goalkeeper at the expense or the detriment of strengthening right-back, centre-midfield, and a cam position. And now, maybe even a striker, you know, as well. I think... I just think those are the bigger fishes to fry in what Arsenal need to, to go forward next season. Souls was was number one goalkeeper on your list when the window started. Kind of. The reason no, no, why no, I say... you can't sit on the fence. Yes or no? It was. It was. But not on the top, top of my list. It was more like... Towards the bottom. Not not the bottom either. It was like in the middle-ish. That's why I say it's kind of was because I do think getting a number 10... If we had got an Odegaard extended loan and all of that, I would have been right cool. Um, But we need a midfielder before, I think, for me anyway. I need a midfielder before I need the goalkeeper. Um, But then it's that goalkeeper. And and it's not even about Leno leaving. I think even if Leno stays, we need a number one keeper. That's just because... Again, it's profiles. It's about getting the right... Pro- and, and he does hinder our team a lot. It's not even, oh, uh, you know, you yeah, can massive. do with him. It's massive. It's not even a joke. It's like, do you know why Martinez looked good? It's because his decision-making was good. He was commanding of his box. It was the basic things. And, and I'm talking like football now, has, it's more than shot-stopping. It's no longer just, oh, yeah, you're a goalkeeper. Just just yeah. try and keep clean shoes. It's more than that now. You basically have to be a midfielder whilst you're being a goalkeeper. And that's just something Leno isn't. And unfortunately for me, I looked at that and I thought, we do need one. I'm not saying we have to go spend £40 million on one. I'm not saying we need to go get like an Oblak or a Handanovic or a, uh, you know, a, a Testegen or, you know, someone at the top, 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 top of their game. But even for me, Onana's perfect. Like, you know, if you, if, if you need to kind of get, get us back to where we need to be to go get that number one keeper, to go get that top world. I don't think back. anybody is turning Onana down. I just think the circumstances are weird, especially because we haven't really identified what we really wanted. I think we're kind of split in the middle. Like George and Soul seen it as a priority. Melina and Gunnar King said maybe not so much, but Leno's become a bigger issue from the beginning of the season or beginning of the transfer window to now, maybe because we've kind of seen him in preseason. We're like, no, or maybe just getting the idea of having somebody different like Onana that fits the system. Now we're like, yeah, we want him. But ultimately he looks like he might be staying and he looks shaky, which is quite scary. Matt G says, just buy Onana and treat him as an investment. Arsenal could get him for $5 million yeah. and sell him in two years Pretty for much. forty. Exactly. This is true, and that Bitcoins. is a good point. But do any of us think we have the wherewithal to know when to sell him or we could get that fee? Gunnar King, we talked about this earlier yeah. like in on your stream. This is all mm-hmm. good in, in theory, but when's the last time we did something smart like that? I will be, maybe. You know, we're not particularly that smart in the market. I'm not sure if we have that in us, to be honest. I think think this is a very difficult one to get wrong, though, if you buy him for that price. Um, 
yes, he's been out. How can you mess that up? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there are examples. Five million pounds. You can't. You can't mess that up. Uh, Like young prospects go for more. No, come on, Jess. Come on, Jess. Five million. You can do worse than that. The 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 thing the thing is about Adu here, aren't we? Uh, I, I'm not yeah. talking about you and us sitting there in that conference room making shit bang. I'm not talking about us. Uh, but Mavropanos got us that. Who? <laughs> Mavropanos got us that. He got us what? He got us five million pounds. He has a seven million euro buyout with sell-on clause. About, aren't we? No, no. You're saying can we mess up a five million pound investment? And I'm saying it's impossible. <laughs> no, they do what the hell. Oh come on! It's you five, know that on. it's five minutes. You can't. You, okay, guys. Po- okay, okay. Come even, on. Let's revisit this. Even Edu, we will revisit even this. Edu, I may be, I may be making a stretch, but let's not <laughs> sit here. And I'm act not like saying Edu is he's Lewis good. Combos. I'm not saying he's good. Yeah. I'm not saying any of that. I'm not saying that he gets value for money. I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying is, it's kind of a little bit of a stretch to say you buy somebody for five million pounds of that quality. And you won't get your return on investment. You can clip this all you want. Okay, if that were to happen, yes. well, we sell it's it for very 40. easy to equal five. I don't know if they get 40, but you absolutely double your investment yeah, on that kind of thing. Like a thousand. That's a slam dunk. That You don't even have to be incompetent at that point. It's just even the profile of going to an arsenal raises it. is going to boom like bitcoins. I'm not even joking. All right. Yeah. We have a new member to the channel. Keenan, thank you so much for joining as a member. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. You're always in the chat, adding great comments and stuff. So thank you. We will see you soon, hopefully on Tuesday for our tra- um, our tactical talk on um, hopefully a win against Brentford. But yeah, you guys, let's. We're at an hour and nine. We have some more time to go, obviously. But I do want to talk about the Ramsdale thing just because it's pretty much what people are mostly talking about. To be honest, like. I just feel as though like I understand what the what the thought process was behind it. And I could get behind that. I could get behind bringing in a young English goalkeeper to mold into the successor for Leno. I can get behind that theory. Um, 25 million when you haven't really addressed key issues. And I'm starting to feel as though the money is not quite what we thought it was at the beginning of the window. It, it looks a little bit like that's not something that we should be trying to do. Um, when you think about, like, if you spent the $25 million on Ramsdale, if you took that and took the twenty five for Willick, what could you get? Basuma. Yeah. All but when you think about it, yeah. it's kind of like, okay, yeah, I could one. get behind that. But we're now a day away from the season opener. And we don't really have a backup goalkeeper that we feel comfortable with. George, I know you love Aquanko, but let's just say in general, he's our third goalkeeper, never really played in the Premier League. The club is probably not comfortable if, if something were to happen to Leno to just throw him into the fire, right? So all that risk that you took, taking all this time trying to negotiate with Sheffield for Ramsdale, I see people saying, oh, it's good that we're sticking to our guns, but is it really when you don't have a backup goalkeeper a day before the season starts, yeah, well, it's Brentford. Yeah, well, nothing may happen to Leno. But we know as Arsenal fans that something could happen to Leno because it is Arsenal. And why would we even take that risk? Why would we even leave that up to chance? 
And we're still looking at a transfer window where you still need to get a backup goalkeeper and attacking midfield and probably something else. And that's my just little rant on it that although I understand what you're trying to do, I still feel like the price is too much. And then we've also spoken about does Ramsdale really help us building out at the back? Is that really, you know, because even if it's off, we still have to talk about the process, right? Why are you trying to get Ramsdale? George and all of us have kind of spoken about, does he actually help us playing out of the back? Maybe not. Maybe he could in the future. Maybe not. But still, now that it's fallen apart, we don't have a backup goalkeeper at the start of the season. You know, so that's my little rant on it. Nothing really makes sense on it. It makes Adu look really incompetent, in my opinion. I don't think you can sit there and say, well, he didn't cave into the 40 million. Well, shit, you shouldn't have been willing to pay 25. Like, what are you talking about? You know, but um, yeah. George, do you have any thoughts on that? It's just random. Just thoughts. I, well, you know me. I've never felt that the Ramsdale was a very serious pursuit. I put it along with the Locatelli and the Buendia. It just didn't fit tactically for me. And so, uh, look, I don't, like I said, all, all kind of transfer window, I don't believe links equal priority. I don't believe that names equal priority in the window. And while he was linked, that doesn't necessarily mean that that was the plan for myself. I still feel as though it was window shopping for an opportunity. I couldn't see it. I wasn't a fan of it. In theory, you can maybe make a devil's advocate point that, you know, Ramsdale was an asset that could maybe get better with age, but I just didn't see anything on on that link whatsoever, and I dismissed it. I poo-pooed it very simply uh, because I don't think he solved a hole. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't – I think that a backup goalkeeper is somebody that's going to come in. Like, that's definitely going to happen. Um, but I do think it's going to be towards the end of the window because I – kind of believe my own Nana theory with it, to be honest with you. And I, um, I think in terms of risking it, though, on your point of whether we should risk it, I think buying correct profiles is the way forward and any short term just buys because we're panicky about the off chance that something could happen is what could lead us to more worse decisions and commitments financially. So I'm very glad that we walked away from this deal. I'm very glad that, you know, we're not just going to buy a keeper for the sake of it. He has to solve a hole and he has to be the right price. I do believe that those are smart decisions and you can't get caught up in the weeds about short-term fears affecting your long-term future because we've done that as a club for over a decade. Um, we've seen that short-termism approach. Oh, if I get a really experienced center back like Socrates, he'll just get us over the line for top four. No, that doesn't work. It's very similar logic, in my opinion. I think you buy a keeper for the long run, and you buy it because he fits or solves a problem. Melina, I'll give you the final word on the whole Ramsdale thing. What are your final thoughts on that? Like, I just don't really, like, I get it, but I don't. Like, I'm very split on it. But ultimately, you're starting the season without a number two. What do you think? Okay, so, girl, I'm with you on that. It's a day till the Premier League opener, and we don't have – you know, our goalkeeper question scenario is up in the air right now. And to me, it really goes to show Edu's incompetency here. Um, okay, the price came down to $25 million, But like you said, we shouldn't have, have we shouldn't have even been after a goalkeeper valued at $40 million, considering that he conceded over 125 goals just last season and has been relegated from two different clubs that he has been play, playing for. And for me... It's a no-brainer to go after Onana and beat the market. And although Onana cannot train, you know, till September, um, 
I really hope that, you know, that style of play and that profile of a player is something we'll go after. And I think I agree with George here that I think it'll be something that happens near the end of the transfer window. Yeah, it's it's one of those. We'll never really know, I feel, if it if it really is off. We'll never really know what they were truly thinking behind it. But hopefully it all gets sorted. G. Kasi says, are you looking for a keeper to be a backup or a starter? I mean, what is the club trying to do? Ramsdale was not he was not going to be a backup. He was going to be a successor to Leno long-term. So it was kind of both, you know, Onana is a number one. You could kind of keep him in the wings as a pseudo number two or play him and drop Leno. But I think that's messy as well. So it's kind of like that in between. I said, and, yeah. I said on my stream earlier as well, like the biggest, like beyond the price, I don't think he's as bad as our fan base make him out to be. And I, I think it's a very reductive argument to say that he's played for two relegated teams because Sheffield United in their second season started their season without two of their main centre-backs. It's just ridiculously reducto absurdium, like gone mad, like to just say, to look at it on the surface like that. But the more, the, the more important thing is, age 23, if you're a goalkeeper, to develop... To Infant. be able to overtake Leno to to step into his shoes, you need that game time. You need those minutes. You can't just rely on cut games and then expect Leno to leave and then fill his shoes. So that's where I question the strategy side of it. Where it's like the thirty-eight games that he was getting at Sheffield United, he might concede more because of the defence that's in front of him. But he is getting that game time. He's improving by being in more real-time situations where his goalkeeping can improve. And my concern was, why would you bring him in as a second keeper when he is at that pivotal juncture in his career where he needs that to go to the next level and we can't give that to him? It doesn't make any sense to me. You know? like Yeah. Okay, you guys. No more goalkeeper conversation. <laughs> it's oh. like, I hate talking about goalkeeper because it's kind of like, not that it's not sexy, you know, you don't want to talk about goalkeepers for too long, but there are questions about, you know, joining the channel. You guys, I think you have to be on a desktop PC. Um, it's not showing up on mobile, which is weird. You know, uh, you, need, you, a, you can, you can get a membership link. I think, I don't know where you find it though, but um, I will figure that out for you guys. But if you want to join now, just try to use your PC or um, like, you know, your laptop or whatever, and it'll show up there. Um, also want to let you guys know that um, we just hit 3,000 subscribers on the channel, which is amazing. Thank you guys so much for subscribing. Yes. Loving it. And let's see. Tezzy Mai says, Jess, you need to add George and Soul's channel links to the description too. Get ball over passion up to 500. I will do that as well. Gunnar Souls, do you still have a channel or what are we doing with that? <laughs> I'm here, aren't I? Okay, so this no, is I'm just, I'm just featuring. I can't be bothered anymore. It's like, <laughs> oh my goodness, you guys are wild. I love it. So I definitely get baller of a passion on there, but love their channel. Obviously, George yeah. is on it. I always try to pub it as much as I can. So yeah, make sure you guys follow Ball Over Passion as well and subscribe to their channel. But let's talk red cards. That was a big talking point last season about how many red cards we were getting. We had five at the end of the season, and that is five too many for me. Um, it kind of felt like some of them were unwarranted and others were kind of like, yeah, we kind of deserved it. I know we remember like the David Louise one against Wolves where I could have sworn that we were playing good. 
and then like the game just turned that wasn't on a red card it, that's yeah, that was it bullshit. definitely wasn't but there's there was like a loophole you know in the the rules that made it okay for that to happen but under over five red cards you guys in the season do you think that Arteta has a handle on this group and do they do you think they still have a disciplinary issue or we kind of remove those people from the squad I mean really it's David Louise but Jack is still there and he gets red cards you know so George what do you think on this one under over five red cards this season um under uh but I I don't know by how much um I I think a lot of those red cards weren't disciplinary issues there was a lot of um ifing and humming and hawing about the rules to make some of those red cards actually real for in my opinion I, I think look at the end of the day the reason though that we have this problem is because we're not respected we're not respected by opponents we're not respected by referees we're not respected by our perception and I think part of that changing is going to happen with the team getting better um, I do as much as people don't want to look at the soft factors but having a little bit of an English core definitely means things are going to be changing I think fans being back is a different issue for the game as well I think this micromanagement of decisions was emphasized without fans I think fan pressure is a real thing by the way um, absolutely sways decisions and I really do feel as though um, this idea of a disciplinary record didn't make sense because we made almost one of the least fouls in the league. So while we led the red cards, we also had um, we were among the least uh, uh, the lowest fouled teams in the league. So it's like so we're not making fouls, but we've got red cards. That doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't scream disciplinary issues for me. Um, I don't know how much it will change, though. I'll be honest with you, Jess. I think that is part of perception about becoming a big team again. That's that's about demanding your respect and authority again, and demanding the 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 benefit of decision making, right? Like I, I'm not going to sit here and remove the fact that you know some teams get favored, they do, and a lot of times that's because of your authority in the pitch, right? You know, they, I I guarantee you, let's put it this way: that Louise red card would never have happened with Chelsea, would never have happened with Man United, would never have chapped in a City, would never have happened with Liverpool, guarantee you. So yeah. I, I definitely think those cards are going to decrease, particularly with our perception of the team. But also, I think it's a good idea to recruit English lads. I think that that's going to be something beneficial moving forward. You know, Spurs made a half decade on favorable decisions um, and perception based on that. So, Boom, yeah. roasted. I like mm. that. I love that. <laughs> when we played Spurs at home, when Harry Kane hit, absolutely clattered into Gabriel. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was ridiculous. That was terrible. Like, yeah, right. some people do get away with things. Uh, we have to agree on that. But Nashville Gunner has just became a member of the channel. Thank you so much for becoming a member. Mm -hmm. You have like the best one-liners I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> keep that coming. And we hope to see you during our transfer pod, not transfer tactics pod on Tuesday. Um, talking about Brentford. So thank you so much for joining the channel. But Gunner King, under or over five red cards? Under. Under, I think. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree that I think next season, I think the disciplinary issues, the, 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 the kind of frustrations that we went into next season, we went into last season, sorry, with um, Ozil not being registered, COVID impacting how we could spend in the market, impeding who we could bring in, the terrible star, Arteta kind of not really knowing what he knows now. I think all, all of these things are going to help with our 
are improvements in working together as, as a team in the, in the defensive and the midfield areas where red cards tend to be given. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I can't really see us getting five five red cards again. Yeah, I get you. All right, what's next? All right, so let's get to first five games. Let's do that. So our first five games are going to be Brentford, Chelsea, Manchester City, Norwich, and Burnley. Last season in our first five games, we got nine points. Souls under or over nine points in our first five games. Did you do your homework? No. I, I reckon I reckon we will because the only game I I, I ex, not expect to lose should I, that, that's the wrong word but the only game I'm, I'm you know we'll probably lose is City, Chelsea we should compete um, and the rest of them yeah we should the only thing is yeah if being Chelsea and then we lose to Norwich it'll just be like the same old same old where we've kicked on and then we've gone back again and and I think. We should, the only game I actually see us losing is City, just because they toyed with us last year and we still could have beat them. They scored one and then just sat back and we still didn't beat them. So I, I think that's the only game. So I'd say more. Molina, under or over? Nine um, points in our first five. So I think we'll get over nine points in our first five. The only game I'm not um, confident about is Man City. Obviously, with the team that they have now and potentially Harry Kane on the move to there. Um, I'm confident in the other fixtures. Brentford is a little shaky. Um, I know it's not going to be easy for us, but I still think we can get the win. Same going in with Norwich and Burnley. Um, and also Chelsea, we do have a good record against them. Uh, they can't hold that up against us. And that's something, you know, you have to give credit when and where it's due. I do agree with Sal's that, you know, it's the same old Arsenal where we take one step forward beat a team like Chelsea and then end up losing to Burnley. And it's like, what's going on here? Um, and to me, if we can fix that up this season, I'm looking confident going into when we discuss where we think Arsenal will finish uh, at the end, at the end of the season, I'm looking forward to discuss that too. All right, you guys, it's time for the big one. We're going to talk under over eighth place or stay the same. I'll let you guys know where the community poll is now. We have a poll going right now on the channel. Um, will Arsenal finish higher or lower than eighth place? And 62% actually say higher. 20% says lower. 19 cents eighth again. So we seem quite confident, you know. And um, when we go through these, I want you guys to give your strongest argument for where you think we're going to finish, not just under or over, but where exactly will we land in the Premier League? It's a very important season for us to make Europe. I sometimes I really do think that people underestimate how under pressure we are in terms of financially being able to we need to be in Europe. We have to be not just from a prestige perspective. I think that's important as well. Financially, with the type of owners that we have, we must get into Europe. And that's why I've been very persistent on bringing in a cam. So we're not relying on a Millsmith row making sure that we bring in midfielders so we're not light in midfield. We need to at least plug as many holes as possible so that we can be buoyant and make it through the, the whole season without as many hiccups as we did last season. I do think we improved, but those same holes kind of hurt us. Tavares is helping that. Lukonga is helping that. 
Ben White is good, but there's still some key elements that I feel like will be the difference between Europe or not. So at the very minimum, we have to make Europe. But I will start. I think we finish above or we finish over eighth place, and I believe we we get sixth. That's where I think we'll end. George, what do you think? I think this uh, team's floor as of right now is sixth. When I look at eighth right now, what do we do? We improve squad depth, but we don't have to change systems. That's immediately worth at least a position. I think that's being disingenuous. That's worth a lot more points than people believe because we lost roughly 12 points to having to revert systems because of Tierney injuries, Partey injuries. We don't have to do that anymore. So I'll be disingenuous and very pessimistic. That's worth at least a point. Then you improve the starting 11 with Louise over Ben White. That's at least worth a point. I love David Louise, but he was also an issue for changing of points as well. And, you know, he did win us many games, but, you know, that profile in the back line meant that we had to sit back a lot more than we had to. So, yeah, I, I believe with what we've done to date, excluding any more additions, now the floor of this team is sixth. Then you start to factor in some of the soft factors. I really do believe Madison gets done. And I think that's a lot more than just a position. Um, but I don't think he's the only addition. I do think we get another keeper. And I have said, I do think it's going to be Onana. And when I look at it, I do see competition with fourth. And I did it in my predictions from my other uh, channel. I do see that as being our likely position, uh, mainly because I don't think that, you know, United signings have been heralded as much. I love Sancho. He's a world-class player. He's kind of my dream midfielder or not, sorry, not midfielder, but winger and player. Um, in terms of if you're looking at profile. But I don't think Varane is as good as what people are saying. He's actually going to be my flop of the season. I don't think United have strengthened in the positions that they really need to strengthen. They needed a DM. It was vital. They needed more in midfield. I think they have some serious holes. And I believe with fans back in the stadium, their lack of a consistent system of chance creation is going to come back to haunt them. I think the other teams in terms of Liverpool, Chelsea, and City are far and away in their own category. And I think actually with Chelsea, they're going to do more recruitment. They're not going to stop at Lukaku. And so for me, when I look at it, Madison's actually twofold. They weaken a rival. If you look at anything that what, you know, Madison was doing for Chelsea in that community shield, he was a huge part of that. So when I factor in the likelihood of probably getting Madison plus a goalkeeper, and I still think that we still have a third signing that's possibly in the, in the pipeline that could happen. But even if we don't, if we just get a goalkeeper and attacking midfielder, I would increase the floor of that team to fourth and battling because I don't think people understand that the point difference between those two positions, fifth or fourth, is maybe a point or two. Maybe it's goal difference. The, the difference between those things are very, very small. So for me, you fix the biggest problems of this team by including a goalkeeper and a, an attacking midfielder. So yeah, I, I do. And, and I've kind of, I've made my table, by the way. It's, it's up for everybody to see kind of up at ball over passions. So yeah, I do think fourth. I'm not going to change it for this uh, channel as well. Gunner King, under over eighth place or stay the same, and why? Over, we'll finish above eighth place. I think I think sixth. Um, looking at the state of the current squad at the moment, should be what we expect. Um, but I expect improvements to be made between now and the end of the window. I think. In terms of improving profiles and, and bringing in the right profiles, that's great. But it's, I mean, if we're looking at two, even just two more players, there's two more that are squad players that are rotational. Tierney gets injured, so he could be playing a lot more than you would think. Um, without getting another central midfielder, again, will play more than you probably expect. But 
if you bring in two more players, that's four more first team players. And I just think a lot of change. And to, to expect to just to just expect that to just click into place like that, I think isn't realistic. Uh, so I think sixth, fifth, maybe um, at the moment, looking also relative to how the other teams have improved. Yes, United do need a DM. They did need that more than than a right back and and a Sancho. But look at what have done. Looking at what Esther, let's not forget that. You know, like you know, they they've made some mechanics. You know, I think I, I think Villa are a very dark horse. As much as I hate to say it, um, because of much of they fight the piss out. Who? I know. I Villa. I, I genuinely think they could crash the top six party this season. I'm not messing around. Like they have brought incredibly well, like in the right areas. They you think in the right areas they've replaced Grealish? They just properly? lost their striker, their best player, and their captain. So they lost Grealish. They brought in they brought in Bailly, and they brought in Buendia. Buendia so, Ings. Okay, they haven't replaced like for like for. Quality, Did they bring in Bailly or Twenzebi? Twenzebi and Leon Bailey, I think. They brought you guys mean as well. Yeah. So Bailly and Buendia, either side, they've got. They've got lots of quality in midfield with McGinn. Like, there's going to be a lot of problems that they're going to cause people this season. Can Can I, I be think real? Looking at what. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, you're breaking just up say, just a little bit, what though. Liverpool have done. Gunner King, you're breaking up a little bit. Can you go out and come back Is that in? Better? Yeah. No, you're yeah, still breaking up quickly. a little bit. There you go. Yeah. Go go out and come back in for us real cool. quick. Yeah. Um no, I think with the villa thing that just irritates me just a little bit is that like if you look it's I think it's the amount of signings that they've done that are making people feel like they're doing so good. But if you look at the quality, the true quality of those players, yes, they are good, but you look at them in comparison to our players, I just think it's overblown. And quite yeah. frankly, if we brought in Ings, Wendia, and Leon Bailey, you like if you take out Saka and ESR and even let's say Pepe, I don't really think that people would be like Danny Ings, as good as he is, he cannot stay fit. And he's, he's really not, injury prone. Yeah. He's really injury prone. He has not even scored more goals than Lacazette. And apparently in our fan base, Lacazette is like the worst striker ever. But Jess, they haven't even recruited properly. When you look at Grealish, let's have it right. He's a left-sided uh, progressor, okay? He doesn't just orient their attack. He's very responsible for their second-phase progression, and that's always down the left. Let's look at their kind of additions and absolute quality. Most of them are right-sided players that have been transitioned, so they haven't fixed their dynamics tactically at all. Buendia, uh, Leon Bailey is best on the right wing. Yes, I know he can play left wing, but he's best on the right wing. And you've got Buendia, who operates in the right half space, along with John McGinn, who is not the same second-phase progressor. So while they've recruited individually, I disagree tactically. They're going to be anywhere near the same. In fact, I think they're going to be very, very different. And if you're using the argument about making starting 11 additions, I think Villa are absolutely having the bail effect. They're having over three starting additions that you're expecting to gel. By the way, swipping, switching, not swipping, but switching tactics from the left to the right. And that's a very big thing. Like these players have never played together and you're making that bet that then they're going to click 
in probably one of the most difficult leagues in the world with like mainly additions that also haven't really started in the Premier League consistently. So uh, I'm I'm struggling with Villa. I think very much they're going to be a classic Spurs bail 2.0 season where they're absolutely going to go in with a lot of additions. Individually, everyone said that those additions were okay and they never gelled. And again, I don't think tactically that people are understanding uh, what that change does to them. They have not bought in the left half space. Not a single one. None of them do. So their tactics are going to have to change. I actually see a return to 4-4-2 for them. And I've said it kind of in the past. I think 4-4-2 is here to kind of come back again. Leicester are likely to do something very similar. And I think when you look at it, it's probably the best way to fit their additions, right? Ings, Watkins as a strike partnership. You've got John McGinn. Um, you probably want, you know, Buendia and McGinn probably operating together along with ba- ba- uh, Leon Bailey kind of out wide because I don't see them able to replicate their 4-2-3-1 with all those profiles on the right-hand side. It really looks congested. The one thing I do want to say, G. Kossi makes a, a really good point that don't you think Villa is able to handle it? They basically played half of the season without Grealish, but without Grealish, they with Grealish, they were basically European contenders. Without him, they were mid-mid table. You know, so making that up and then jumping ahead of us and all the other teams that have improved. Like you have to remember, we've so when we say, Oh, well, everybody else has improved, we have too. We've improved our floor. And without their best player, they were still below us. In their best season, they're below us. In our worst season, we're above them. I don't really understand where this idea that because they bought three players, which is mostly what it is, you guys, be real. It's about the amount of players and how quickly they did it that's making people be like, yeah, they're going to be better. Look at the quality and then look at what we have. Even if they get Todd Todd Cantwell, I'm sorry, ESR keeps him out of the under-21s. We got a better player than him. And plus, they wanted ESR first. You know, I still think ESR is a better fit for us. And does more for us than Buendia will probably do for Villa. I don't really think it's, you know, Leon Bailey, okay, we have Saka. Like, and we still added Lakanga, we have Thomas Party. You know what I mean? It's like it's like this weird thing where because they did better business than us, they're all of a sudden better than us. That's not how it works. You know, but that's just me. You know, I'm tired of this whole Villa thing. But I want to do our awards now because we kind of do have to speed things up a little bit. Um, Dembele's Equilibrium says Brentford three, Arsenal one, Ivan Tony Brace. Thank you for your super chat. No, thank you. That is not what's going to happen. Keenan says Kings and Watkins are head and shoulders better than Abba and Laka. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, wow. Come on. Come this on. is from an Arsenal fan as well. Keenan, I appreciate your, your, you know, your, your comment here, but Come on, I would just say, not that bad. Let me just re- let me just remind Ings, just again, Ings, Danny Ings has not scored more goals than Lacazette. He scored yeah. one time where he came in, I think, with one goal more than a bombing a season, one season. The rest of the time he hasn't scored more than Lacazette, who everybody thinks is terrible. A bombing has been one of the top five strikers in like the last, I don't know, five, six seasons that he's been playing. Yep. Watkins is from the championship, and yes, he had a good season in the worst season for Aubameyang, but that doesn't make him better, you guys. Like, I get that we like we like to look at other people's stuff and think it's better because we don't rate what we have. And I have issues with Aubameyang, but this is this is actually this is shocking, Keenan. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> George looks so unimpressed by that. I get yeah, it. I get it. Five um, of the last six seasons, the man has scored 20 plus goals in every season. And you're going to, in all competitions, and you're going to tell me that Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins are better, and I'm the one that's deluded for basing it off of five of the last six seasons and not one. I have a huge problem with this uh, fan base that are being very self-deprecating to the point <laughs> of delusion because you've got to be fair. While I love these players, by the way, that Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins are great players, they are, they're excellent players, but to sit there and base your opinions off of one season as opposed to five of the last six seasons, it's ridiculous. It's kind of the opposite of, you know, objectivity at that point. Recency bias on steroids. <laughs> Let's do our, our awards. Let's move forward. Let's cl <laughs> cleanse our palate of that. <laughs> Keenan, I love you, but like, no, man, come on. Let's talk about top scorer. Who do we think is going to score the most goals for Arsenal? Um, we don't we don't score enough goals, you know, but somebody's going to step up and score those for us, aren't they? I'll go with you, Souls, first. Who do you think is going to be our top scorer? A mummy, isn't it? Well, he um, really said a Bernier. Yeah. I, because there's a reason why I say that, because I actually believe Madison will come in. And I'll say it with my chest, I'll say it again. If, say it with your chest, and, man. Yeah, if, if, a big if we sign Madison, Aubameyang's going to get the golden boot race. Yeah. George, do you agree on Aubameyang, that shout? Um. Yeah, I'm kind of tired of defending a guy that doesn't need to be defended at this point. I'm really tired of it because I see people that just don't come at me with very many facts on the situation. Fundamentally, we were a team that's underperformed. Fundamentally, you're looking at a man who achieved in his worst season, very close to Lacazette's best season while having malaria and while having his mother severely ill and having to take personal time off. You're, you're looking at a guy that over the last six seasons, five of them he scored 20-plus goals. You're telling me that he just got space jammed and he can no longer uh, perform and he doesn't know how to score and he's not a can killer? Can I say he's the only one to outscore Lewandowski? Can yep. I just say that? the great uh, like One of the best strikers right now, for he the outscored him. Yeah, and for the time he's been in the Premier League, guess who's outscored him? One person, Harry Kane. Oh, yeah, you know, okay. in, order, in, in order to sit there and like with a straight face say that Aubameyang is going to have a repeat of his worst season in his entire career is very disingenuous to me. I agree with Souls. I think that James Madison definitely comes in and who has had an excellent relationship with that type of striker. That's him. It's literally his bread and butter with Jamie Vardy. I think that our system is going to allow him to be in the center position far more often than on the left wing, which is horrible for his output. And I also think that this suggestion that his pace is, you know, not, um, is not impacted is kind of delusion. He showed it against Zappacosta. He's physically fine. He is absolutely there physically. There's no issues with that. A lot of this is form. I'm not saying he's been good. I'm not been saying he's great, but to sit there and to say, that somebody who's been so prolific as a goal scorer over the past six seasons, not one, not two, it, it, it's, it's insanity to sit there and think he's going to repeat a very similar season and or tell me that this guy doesn't know how to score goals. It's really, it's really insane to me. He's a killer. And I think he needs fans. 
I do think he suffered from a lack of no yeah. fans. Absolutely. This guy is um, a showy guy, but also an, in, an introvert in a sense. This is somebody who needs the occasion to be um, kind of performed. And I really do believe that, yeah, Aubameyang's definitely our top goal scorer. And I'm with Souls. I do think that he's going to be in the golden boot race, just like he's been basically every season he's been here, except for last season. And so if I'm going to sit there logically and look at it, that's the guy with the most potent output in this team, bar none. I, Does anybody have something different? Or Yeah, I, no, I wanted to add to that as well. I think if you look at the amount of goals the whole team scored, you look at the uh, amount of goals the midfield scored, no good team relies on one good one goal outlet. And the reality is, like, it wasn't Aubameyang on his own whose goal scoring suffered. Okay, Lacazette put in his best season because his attributes and his profile fits Arteta's system. But by the same token, you can't say that Aubameyang's not benefiting from not like the system that Arteta is using. You can't use that to say he's fallen off or, you know, he's not the striker that he used to be. I think you need to look at it more broadly. And if you look at like how low the chance creation was all last season, what I've seen in preseason is a lot more chances being created. Okay. He's missed chances, but I can tell you right now, because I played as a striker. If you've gone two or three months starving of chances, and then you get given a chance and it's in, it's in your head. You snatch that chance, then the next chance comes, then the next chance comes. But the moment you put one chance away, everything changes. You know, like, that's just the reality. You know, like, we when you've gone from being starved of chances to suddenly feasting on them, it doesn't mean that you suddenly know how to eat again. You know, like, you have to... That is a, a gradual stage of progression that you have to go through. And I think, yeah, no doubt, getting a number 10 who is going to be able to supply him the more... Um, the ball much in much better positions um, and allow him to play higher up the pitch and more centrally will bring the Aubameyang back of old along with um, having crowds back in back in um, the stadiums. Molina, do you have a different top goal scorer? Um, no, I actually have the same goal scorer and I agree that Aubameyang does thrive off of fans' energy um, with fans being back at the stadium and, you know, like someone mentioned in the chat box, uh, malaria, it's not something quick to recover from. And with the personal circumstances that he had, we're going into a fresh season now and only playing one game a week. I think it's going to be less pressure for us to do well and to, you know, really focus on that game that we should be winning teams like Burnley, we shouldn't be losing to. And to me, Abamyang is going to be, you know, a top goal scorer for me. I, unless we sign James Madison, for me, it's Abamyang. All right, we'll see how that how that runs. Wait, Jess, you kept quiet. Well, who's yours? Mm. It's not Oba. <laughs> it sure isn't. Well, this, this I don't know if I even want to say this with George here because he's going to come for my neck. And I oh, Pepe, sorry, I'll neck. tell you, Pepe. It's Pepe. Yeah, Pepe. Oh, wow. but you know what? He could be as well. You know, I think oh, Pepe's going to bat goals. I do. Now, I'm not getting into it with George I'm today. Sorry, this make or break. If he has a, if he can't perform this season, he's gone for me. Can I ask you a question then? Can I ask you a rebuttal? Be, oh, go ahead, George. Go, go, okay. Go. Can I ask? Because I, I just, I, and I also want this from the chat box. Look, I, everyone has their biases. Everyone wants, you know, their subjective opinions. But if Pepe fails to deliver in his third season, coming to the age of 27, where are you all at with it? 
Oh, yourself. and this is, this is ex exactly where I'm going with this whole thing. Awesome. I think he has a good season. I think he scores a shit ton of goals. And I think we sell him because he doesn't really fit. But I do think that he's going to score a lot of goals because I think he's going to play a lot of minutes. To be honest, I don't think we add another wide forward. I think Saka and Pepe play off of either wing. And ESR plays sporadically in the center or out wide. And Aubameyang plays to the middle or out wide. I think Pepe is going to be just fine. And for some reason, I just feel like he'll have a good season and we'll sell him. Does anyone we... know? Does anyone know what Drogba did in his first two seasons in English football? No, because I hate Chelsea. In his first season, he scored 10 goals and got five assists. In his second season, he got 12 goals and 11 assists. Sometimes, like, especially, I think this is why the English core is also important. Because when you are bringing players in from abroad, it helps them acclimatise and settle to the cultural nuances of the game in the country that they're in. Like, but the reality is Chelsea had that when Drogba came. But it didn't matter because, you know, it's even if you've got that call, it can just take you a bit longer to settle. Pepe's first two seasons eclipsed Drogba's. You know, like, and he's improved. Tough one, Gunner, because, you know, like, you know, as well as I do also, like Drogba's prolific record has also always been a little bit of a, I don't want to upset people. He's an absolute elite player, but it's also not necessarily, um, you know, up there with what people like to glamorize, you know, his output mm -hmm. actually kind of struggled in the league. But um, look, I, I think with Pepe, the only thing I want to do, because I don't want people to misread what I'm, what I'm saying. Fundamentally, when I look at it, this man does not consistently do the fundamentals right. And it's not that I hate the player. I would love to be proven wrong. And I would love for him to succeed because my agenda is not with a specific player. It's for Arsenal to succeed. But I have not seen the consistency in decision-making and in final third output that gives me the confidence that he's going to go out there and demand, A, the starting position, but, B, demand the authority of the top goal scorer. I need to see more. And half of that is Arteta's fault. It is because I think, um, you know, he doesn't balance the front line. The one thing I really want for Mikel to do is, A, no more Lacanoba. It does not work. Can we please stop that? Second, I want you to balance your front line with two creative profiles and two goal-scoring goal options. Third, if you're going to play Aubameyang or Lacazette as your types of striker, okay, if it's Oba, surround him with technical security in the back line. None of this kind of Pepe as well. It has to be technical security across the front three. If it's Laka, surround him with leggy outlets that love close combination runners. You're talking your Martinelli and your Pepe. Those are the partnerships. And then lastly, I don't believe Pepe and Aubameyang can coexist in the same front line. They're both low-touch players that require freedom, that a freedom of space, but also movement to excel. And you can't have both of those in the same front line. So balance your front line and then... Let's see where we go. But I don't believe that Pepe has shown the technique in the final third consistently to A, create the overloads that we ask him to do, but also take his chances when he's out there. I, I haven't seen it consistently. Happy I, for him I to prove me wrong. But it. I have this weird feeling. Oh, I've said the same. Salman Zaki says, Abba, yeah. no, Saka Abba, Pepe, ESR in the 10 position, watch Abamian score 20 league goals. Hopefully, I don't care who scores the most goals as long as we score some freaking goals. You know what I mean? Who's going to get the most assists, you guys? I'll let Melina go first on this one. 
Um, Klopp is sister. For me, I have Bukayo Saka in there. I, I really think, you know, he has a lot more confidence going into the season and built up a new attitude, especially coming after um, the International Euros tournament. I think he'll do well. But for me, next up behind him, I have Smith Rowe. Um, I think Smith Rowe will also do well, too. Gunnar King, do you have a different idea about Tapa's sister, or are you going with Molina's choice of Bakayo Saka? Smith Rowe. Smith Rowe, okay. Smith Rowe, um, I think his, like, Saka's creativity is, I don't really see it as being, like, the final action level of creativity in a way that I see that with Smith Rowe, like, his ability to like really kind of break lines of passes, but also carry. Um, I, I think Smith Rowe is, he is going to have a massive season, a massive, massive season, whether it's playing out on the left or, or as a 10, he, he can play as an eight as well. Like this guy, I first watched him when he was like 17 against Blackpool in a cup game. Um, and, and like, I followed his career very closely ever since. And, he is I, he's really creative i i really think that he's going to be our top chance creator next season does anybody have madison as the oh right if, if he come, if he comes, i do it i freaking knew you guys did it's gonna be james madison don't even debate it fam i'm telling you oh my gosh okay well, no, going just... off the current squad though i would say it's smith Rowe, but but yeah madison he's basically it. current squad isn't he yeah, okay. yeah. For, for me, it's gonna it's gonna have to be um, Emil Smith Rowe only because again, I think at the expense of unfortunately Pepe, but Kaiosaka is gonna be our right wing, and for me, what he's gonna add is he's gonna be a much more goal scoring um, winger this season. I think the runs behind that he's shown have been immense improvement. He just needs composure in the final third, one v one, and and he has the shooting technique to absolutely bang goals. And I think the idea for me is if you play Bakayo in the right wing. He's not so much that creative profile. He's far more creative when he plays off the left and in the left mm -hmm. wing and actually is a creative machine when he does that. He's such mm -hmm. a versatile player. I can't take enough superlatives with this man. But unfortunately, I feel as though right wing's his position. I really always have felt that that was his long-term position. And so if you do have him there, I don't think he's in the, in the ability or the role to be creative there. It's not that he can't do it. It's just I feel at right wing, he's more goal scoring and in that regard, I think Emil is going to step up. I think people have seen maybe 30% um, of what Emil really is because this this kid, he's playing within himself. He still feels lucky to be a part of the team. He hasn't had the year where Saka goes, this is my team. Um, I really think that you're going to see a massive player in this kid. He's, he's probably my shout, by the way, to make the World Cup squad. I think he's going to have Oh, I was going to say that. Yeah. Because this kid is absolutely going to explode. And I think that Bakayo Saka, he already gets double teamed. He gets Jordan ruled kind of. He's been doing it for the last six months. But I think people haven't seen Emil quite yet. He's going to have that Saka explosion. And wow. people that have really watched him, they're going to see this kid's going to absolutely fly. I love him. Let's talk player of the season. I, I want to go first on this one and then I'll, I'll go to Molina. But I'm actually going to go with Thomas Party. I think mm. I know he's injured. But I do feel like there's a chance that, and I'm willing this into existence, I think if we think we're going to push for Europe slash top four, he has to have a good season. And I think from what I saw in preseason, 
if he can stay fit, he's definitely going to be our player of the season. I don't care who scores more goals because that's transformative for us. He's a transformative player. And I just have this feeling that get him fit. He changes everything. I think he becomes our instant player of the season because he's, in my opinion, besides a bombing in terms of goal scoring, he's our only world-class player and he shows it when he's playing. And that's the difference between top four, top six, and doing absolutely nothing this season. So for me, player of the season is Thomas Party. I believe after this injury, he he plays well for the rest of the season. And we see what we've been lacking in that midfield, which is a true box-to-box Vieira-like player that can take us to the next level. Melina, what do you think? Player um, George might hate me on this answer, but to me, I think it's Pepe. I think Pepe, it's his yes, time to shine. He has a lot to prove. And I think this time it's going to be his season to prove himself and to prove why we played that, paid that price tag for him. I think now he'll really gain that confidence he needs. And if you've seen him play in preseason, he, he has done well. And I think he'll step up to that uh, ceiling that we've set for him. Does anybody have Ben White as their player of the season? Does anybody 100%. think? 100%. Unless, okay. <laughs> Unless Madison comes in. Benny Blanco, I'm telling you, fam. Ben Benjamin Blanco. You know what Blanco, I am bro. telling you? I'm telling you right now, this guy is going to transform the hell out of this team. He's going to be... He's. you know what? Defenders aren't the players you look at and you think, oh, yeah, like, give him play. But he's going to be so key. I'm All I'm saying... Keep a close eye on him. You'll understand how vital he's going to be to the way we build up, to the way that this team transforms their attack. The one way that I want to, you know, recent example, look at Maguire and how he transformed England in terms of how he became a ball progressor for them. Even though we were playing this sort of five-back, you know, formation, Maguire, every time he got the ball, progressed the ball into midfield, broke the lines. And that's what Ben White's going to do for us. He's going to break the lines, allow party to push up further. And But what it's also going to do, he's going to cover up for Gabriel's rashness if that's still in his game, if that's not been taken out. Because he's one of those, he sweeps up a lot of their mistakes and he's, he's a, a lot deeper, but he can also push up and he's effective in his tackling. He's just one of those players who... He's not going to be easy. And I'm going to say it, and I'll say it with my chest again. He'll have a better season than Raphael Varane. Ooh, yes. I'm clipping that one. I've said, I've, said, I've said that as well. I think Raphael Varane's going to be a flop. He's absolutely going to have a better season. And also, he's going to prove his price tag a lot sooner by the end of the season than Raphael Varane will. I think that absolutely – I'm really glad that you said that, you know, Souls. Um, he's not quite my – player of the season but he was absolutely a shout he's kind of like my second pick along with Partey they're kind of neck and neck there um look player of the season if I'm going so big on a bombing and you score those goals and you go in the golden boot race that's your player of the season for me um if you're going to be anywhere near 20 goals a season that's player of the season quality and that's what I'm predicting so for me I think Pierre will do it um and I do think that a lot of these additions are going to be very close because I think they're all very revolutionary in their own right I just think no one will give the benefit to a defender. Being a fellow defender, you never get those uh, credits, but it's typically attackers that get those those kind of votes in the polls. But I was going to choose a defender. Were you? Yeah. Oh, bless you. I was going to choose Kieran Tierney, but I take that back really? now. Yeah, like, <laughs> good if he stays fit, I think it could be Tierney, yeah. I think mm. um, the level of consistency he's shown when he's fit and it's... I think with fullbacks, like the modern fullback, 
like you accept that they're either better going forward or defensively. This guy, he just doesn't seem to be phased. Whether it's going forward or or in the defensive transitions, this guy loves to get stuck in, put tackles in. You know, he's he's shown leadership beyond his years. And going forward, like, you know, the goal against West Brom when he cut inside with his right foot. I mean, most wingers would be happy doing that on their strong foot. This guy cut inside and did it on his weak foot. You know, like, you know, he's he's dangerous with his crosses. I This is kind of why part of me thinks, do we get a profile of striker that can get on the end of his crosses more? Because I've, I don't think... Lacazette and Aubameyang have double-digit goals um, from from aerial situations, but his delivery into the box is really good. And yeah, I I, I think I think he could be an outlier um, to maybe Aubameyang or, or Smithrow for me. We have a new member from the, for the channel, Richard De Earl. Thank you so much for joining the channel. We will see you soon on Tuesday for our tactical breakdown on our game against Brentford. And hopefully we're talking about a win. So thank you so much for joining the channel. I really appreciate it. Let's roll on, you guys. Breakout star. This has to be somebody kind of under 21, around that age. So nobody that's already broke out, you know. Nobody's already broke out. I'll start. Who do I choose? Oh, Martinelli. I chose <laughs> Martinelli. Um, I think if we don't get a striker, which I have a feeling that we won't, even if we do, I feel like at some point in the season – he'll be really important to us because we'll be looking for something different that it's obvious that we need. Martinelli adds something to our team that we just don't have. I remember Karen Tierney saying that when he came to Arsenal, basically Martinelli was the example of how an Arsenal player should be from his perspective. And that says a lot because of all the other players that he could have potentially named. Um, At some point we will need him. And I think it'll be his season to break out. I do think that people start to respect him a little bit more in terms of rival fans that think he's overrated because he's not. And I think that he will score goals if he gets out there. He does have goals in him. And I think he'll spur us on because there's just some games where we're flat. And I think that comes from a lack of balls, to be honest. Yeah, you call it urgency. I call it balls. Mm -hmm. Some of these players, just I think they're looking around for somebody to do it. We have Karen Tierney, but he's a left back. We need somebody in that forward line that can push us forward. And I think he's that even at his young age. So he's my breakout star for the season. What about you, George? 100%. Um, I think you, I'm, I won't spend long. I think you've said it all. I think for me, everyone who has followed me on Twitter knows that I see Gabriel Martinelli as a striker. Uh, my other prediction has been I actually see that transition starkly in the North London Derby in January. Very specific. Once AFCON goes, I think he replaces Oba. And I think he's due an absolutely massive season. This is a guy I think that, you know, the sky is the limit. We're looking at an absolutely elite talent. Looking at all the stats, the stat lovers, they love him. Um, the eye watchers even love him. It's crazy. Um, when you look at this guy, he's efficiency personified. When he's on the pitch, he impacts the game, whether that's through goals or assists or whether through his mere presence in every single third. This is a kid that's going to the very top. I think he becomes a starter by the end of the season. And I really do think that you're looking at a breakout star with him. Um, when I originally got this point from you, Jess, I thought we were going super, super young in terms of the youngsters. Uh, so I will shout out my boy, Keto Taylor Hart. Um, if you know, people did feel or people that would come in as breakout stars, I think he'll get cameos. This kid is crazy. 
Um, but in terms of actual impact in the first team, I think we're looking at Gabriel Martinelli having the true breakout. But keep your eye on Keto. That's a dangerous player. Okay. Nashville Gunner does want me to say this Ross Barkley thing, doesn't he? Where is it? <laughs> Nashville, Nashville Gunner says, but Ross Barkley does seem like an ADU signing, doesn't he? Right. You're, just, you're crazy. Just I can't. <laughs> but um, Gunner King, breakout star, who do you think it's going to be? I, I think, yeah, Martinetti absolutely could be one, but I'm, I think another two to look at. Lekonga has really impressed me in, in preseason. But I'm going to go with Balogun. As crazy as that sounds, right? This no, he's mustard. He is like he's he again. Like he's just a complete centre forward. You know, like he can just play with his back to goal. He can travel with the ball. He can pass. He can shoot with both feet. He has aerial ability, physical presence, pace. Like this kid, for me, I think. The thing about strikers is, you know, like I was slight, like quick, you know, like lack that like presence physically. But this guy just has like, he just has a... He's a killer. He's a Swiss army knife of a striker, you know, like where there is not many blind spots in what he can bring to the table as a striker. And I just think with where Aubameyang and Lacazette are, this is why I've championed keeping them. You know, even though it might appear like their powers are waning. Like, I think with Martinelli, I also see becoming an eventual number nine. If we do go to a 4-4-2, um, then I see these guys both being able to shadow Lacazette and Aubameyang. And, and that would really kind of like round and finish their training. And from what I've seen, like his youth records speak for themselves, man. Just a machine. Like, and... His Carabao right. Cup appearance speaks for itself too against Man City's first choice defensive line. People forget that. Well, that's it. Yeah, and you know, I think, I think this this is going to be his season. I, I think Aubameyang and Lacazette won't be showing much patience if if they're not performing. He's going to go in. Martinelli's going to go up front. I think Martinelli's what they're going to do to develop him and his game time because he's less physically developed and rounded, and with his injury is. He's going to double up between being an option on the left as an inside forward or an, or an inverted winger and a striker, whereas Balogun is going to be the guy that if those guys aren't shitting, is going to go on the pot. You know, So I think all he's going to need is a few chances. And and then, yeah, I, th- I think he can really cement down a place towards the end of the season. All right, you guys, I think we've done enough predictions. Well, we do one more because we need to talk about the game, which is what we're going to go into now. Can you guys see that? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Let me make it better. I don't like it. I hate pop-ups. They're the worst. Oh, I can't get rid. Okay, whatever. It's fine. We can see Is it. Marie a guaranteed starter for you? Ew. Well, this is not my. This is predicted, not what I want to happen. But Gabriel is not fit. Yeah, Gabriel is not fit. Holding. I would um, much rather holding in the left center back spot than uh, Pablo Marie at this point. Damn well, he ain't gonna do that. Um, this is what I because for the the for the this exercise, (laughs) I think what we should just talk about is that front four. And right back, which are the positions that I feel like are more up for grabs than the other ones. I do believe Tierney starts. Pablo Marie, we don't want him to, but he probably will. 
Ben White, Leno, Jaka, hopefully Lakonga. So we'll do right back last, but let's let's go up to the front first. Four positions open, but Kyle Saka is just coming back, but I feel like he could almost start in this game. Emil Smith-Rowe is a almost a dead certain, isn't he, to start in that 10 position because we're not going to play Willian there, are we? Then you have Pepe, Lacazette, and Aubameyang. Who misses out? You know, who misses out on this this first game? Am I missing anybody else? I feel Martinelli, is he ready to start? You know, George, I'll let you go first because you always talk about the balance of the front four. But who would, who do you have starting as your front four in this game? I'm going to put what I want first and then predict it if that's okay because I'm really not going to get what I want. So oh, well. um, what I would like to have is Martinelli, uh, ESR, um, Pepe, and Lacazette because in terms of formed, I need to surround Lacazette with wingy, uh, leggy runners. And for me, he's playing better right now. And I think for that front line, if I'm play- picking Lacazette, I'm keeping true to my word. I want balance and I want one free runner and that's going to give Pepe and I want to see what he's got. I want to see with that lineup, can he get his goal and assist? Because then there's no excuses with that lineup. It's literally built for him and Martinelli to thrive. That's what I would want going in. What I think is predicted, I think Emil Smith-Rowe is going to be in the hole. I think that he's going to start with Saka left wing, Oba up top, and Pepe on the right wing. That's what I think he will go for because uh, we need Saka. When Saka came on, he showed us how bright he is. So he absolutely needs to start. Um but for me, again, I would much rather Martinelli, Saka, ESR, and, you know, um, Lacazette in that hole because, you know, it's, it's just it, – it's more conducive to kind of the combination play that I'm looking for. Um, but he's going to go with probably Saka, Aubameyang, Pepe. And you know what? That'll be good for Brentford because they're a transition-deficient team. They're a team, right, that plays very much like us. They're Arsenal light, I call them. Um, they play this weird hybrid 3-4-3. Um, but they're vulnerable in transition and in center defense. So you're going to need an outlet runner because they won't sit back. They will press up. They will go and attack you. So uh, I think runners are going to be huge in this game. And, yeah, I also really hate Marie. I'm just going to put it out there. Yes. I really holding in that spot. He is much better in the left center back spot. I think he sees the pitch far better also in that position. Um, but in, in order to kind of deal with uh, – I forget his name – Bueno – I'm butchering that name pronunciation, but the right winger along with Tony, I'm not seeing Pablo Marie 1v1 with Ivan Tony. That's not going to happen. So let's put Holding in there. And I'm not confident there, but he's better than um, Marie in 1v1 defensive situations right now. By default, yeah, but yeah, yeah. And Chambers would be my right back uh, personally because I can't stand Hector anymore. Does anybody have a different theory? I have this weird feeling that we see Lacazette and Aubameyang start up front. <laughs> together, they don't work together, though, and they don't, that doesn't does, realize that. I don't, I don't yeah, does that stop him from doing it? <laughs> no, 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 no. But you've got to look at He didn't really have much of an option because Bakayo Saka was at the Euros. He was just coming mm-hmm. back. Martinelli wasn't here. Um, so he didn't really have the plays he wanted to really play. Saka will start. Like, we use him like a bar, yeah, so he 100% yeah, yeah. will start. He start if he's he's gonna get a ragged like a he's fucking like a whorehouse. Like he's getting <laughs> ragged out, fam. Oh, like, so he's just he's just getting used, open for business, twenty four seven. He's just so like yeah, yeah, keep going, keep going. So but, 
you know, it's it's just I don't know. He needs a rest, but he will play the starting game. I think he's he is he is suited for Brentford, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think Aubameyang, it's going to be like Leeds. I it's not maybe not a hat trick, but I just think that's the catered game for Aubameyang, and we can put, and I think with Lokonga, he'll play him in behind. And I think Aubameyang's got it. He's got for me, it's more suited than Lacazette for this game. The only thing is ESR and Aubameyang. We'll, we'll have to see. I just don't. I think ESR works better with Lacazette, but obviously at the moment we don't really have a number ten, so we've got to do with like a connecting number ten there. Um, I'd want to. I want to see Martinelli personally over Pepe in this team, but I don't see it. Yeah, I think I, I think I think that is the lineup personally. I think this is the best one to me. But I think he will put Smith Rowe where Saka is, and he'll put Lacazette behind Aubameyang. Behind Aubameyang, yeah, like, but not as a ten, like as a second striker. Um, Oh hell no! If he does that, I think he will. That's some galaxy brain. I don't. I don't. I would very much not. What I would say is that I wouldn't be surprised to see Aubameyang and Lacazette starting together. Yeah, you're gonna do that when it doesn't work. Like, you know what I mean? Like, once we get halfway through and we're having a really hard time scoring goals, even though we have two freaking strikers out there, um, Saka comes in in the second half and has to save us. This is more what I see. No, uh, uh, no. This is what we don't want. They're going to get but... ripped apart. Well, I mean, it is Brentford. I don't see us getting ripped apart. I just see us having a hard time scoring. Yeah, it's going to be a hard time. That That's, doesn't work. I, I, That's I, a very I, poor bat. Honestly, Arteta's under way too much pressure to to do that. I'm sorry. Like, he, he, if Saka's he does that, I'm going sure. to be Arteta out from day one then, because that is that is the most stupid thing you do when your job's under under contention. Yeah, I mean, all right. So he I'll put it he back. Guns though, right? He he doesn't buckle or. You know, this is the nature of Arteta. You know, he's very headstrong um, and firm in what what he believes. So, but he's not stupid. That's the thing we've got to understand. He's not a stupid. Like, yes, he sticks to his guns, but I don't think he's going to do something that's clearly not worked all preseason for a reason. It's, I know it's preseason and results don't matter, but our attack didn't look good at all. And it, until the likes of Balogun came on, until the likes of Martinelli's came on, well, not Martinelli, sorry, Saka came on. And, you know, you do have to buy, and I don't think he's going to make that mistake, especially not first game of the season, um, where, let's be real, he knows he's under pressure. You could tell by his press conference, the way he was speaking, he didn't look like a man full of belief. And I do think he's going to have to go I would. I, 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 that's not a safe option. That is a risky option where there's no thought to it because it doesn't work. It's never worked. So I don't see it happening personally. Not first game of the season anyway. All right, you guys. Let's do score predictions and get out of here. Gunner King, what's the score going to be? Arsenal versus Brentford. I'm going to go with 2-1 to Arsenal. 2-1 to think, Arsenal? Yeah, I think we will concede. Um Tony scares me, um, especially you know when you're looking at Mari or Holding being in one-on-one situations with him. Um, you know, with with Leno in goal and potentially 
I mean, if he starts Bellerin, we deserve everything we get. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, the Chambers at right back. Um, I think there's work to be done on improving the, um, well, not improving the back line. But I think, yeah, Gabriel coming back changes a lot in that back line. And, and until he's back, Gabriel, this, this game would have been perfect for him. You know, for Tony, I think he would have been probably the more suited. Um, of of the centre back partners for Ben White, um, so yeah, I, I'm going with two one. I think um, overall we'll have enough to to score against them and uh, to get the job done. But I think we we'll still see a bit of um, wastefulness and profit see in front of goal. Molina, what's your score? I'm also going for a two one, but my reasoning is. Although Brentford is really good going forward, I think they're vulnerable in that central defensive field. Um, so although I think we'll concede, I think in the end, you know, we'll have it together. And, you know, Brentford like to play a 4-3-3 kind of transition. And to me, I think we can easily break through that. And although Brentford are good on set pieces, I think we will, you know, have more control of that game hopefully, depending on the lineup. But then again, if I see Hector Bellerin and Elneny starting, um, I'm going to have to shake my head. <laughs> I know, right? George, what is your score prediction? Um, I think it'll be a very good opponent for us. 3-1 is my prediction. I think it'll be 1-1 really quite close. And one thing with Brentford that I don't know if people understand is that you know they're very weak on transition, but also when they get scored on, they're very, very weak. They're arsenal light, I tried to tell people earlier in the stream. Uh, they don't do well when they go a goal down. So... For me, uh, I don't think 3-1 will reflect the comfortability of the game. It'll be more of a quick fire, kind of two goals after it's 1-1. Um, but I think Oba scores. I actually think Pepe scores as much as I, I've hammered him. He, it's a great game for him. Like in terms of runners, he's going to eat in that right half space, or he should. I really expect him to get a goal because this is the game for him in, in Aubameyang. Um, but yeah, 3-1 for me. And I think it's because, you know, Brentford won't step back. And we actually, as a team, we do well against these types that come at us. If it was more of a mid-block or a low-block, I'd be a little bit more worried. But I don't see that. So, yeah, 3-1 for me. Souls? This is a statement performance. That's all I'm going to say. And it's going to be a 5-1 win. I think Arteta is going to lay the ground <laughs> on that game. The thing is, we always Five. do it. Yeah, yeah I think wow. we're going to do it. I think this is going to be one of those statement performances where... We, we look like the we're not the underdogs, but we look like, yeah, we're not going to really perform. And we've done it every time a promoted team has come up and we've had to play them first. We've absolutely battered them. Fulham's glad they don't have to play us. Like, and, that's, and that's just the truth of it. And I do think this is going to be one of those games where it, this is, I think, is so suited for the strike, for, for Aubameyang, for even a sacker, to be honest, even if he plays, it's so suited for these kinds of, even Pepe is suited for. Because they're going to get space in behind. And that's what they like. They thrive off of getting that space to run in behind and receive those balls. And I think that's what's going to happen. And I do think it's going to be one of those performances that everyone's going to be like, where the fuck did that one come from? And I think it's going to be like a 5-1, 4-1 performance. I hope so, you guys. I really do. Because we have so... We're going to have to do the watch along and we're going to do instant reaction tomorrow. So I'm really hoping that like we're talking about good things. But 
wanted it there. We went a little bit longer than we probably wanted to, but we didn't do a show yesterday. So we had to give the people what they wanted. And there's still 177 of you guys watching on wow. all platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in. All of you that have, you know, become members today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We will make sure that it's not like one of those where you guys are messaging me asking where the next uh, member stream is going to be. You'll have something every week dedicated just to members and then extra things as well. Um, I'm working on an exclusive interview with somebody where you'll be able to ask questions, live Q&A. Um, so we're not going to leave you hanging. I promise. Tomorrow, again, like I said, live watch along. Just show up about 15 minutes before the game starts. We'll be here talking about the lineup, moving straight into the watch along. Gunner King will be here with us. George and Souls will be here as well. Right, George, you're going to be here? Or no? Uh, oh, no, you're watch not. along, maybe not, but post-match. Instant yeah. reaction. Okay, so it'll be me and Souls and Gunner King tomorrow. For the watch along and then instant reaction after we'll add george in you guys will also get a chance to have your say we will do phone in calls then we couldn't get to it today but we will have them tomorrow again hopefully we're talking about a win like the video subscribe to the channel make sure you guys look in the description box for gunner king's youtube channel as well as melina thank you guys so much for being here and we'll definitely have you back this was a lot of fun yep we'll see you guys next time bye guys bye.